Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 80 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan. It's been a while. Hello, everyone. <laughs> God, it's been like a month, dude. I think this is one of the longest breaks we've ever had because of tournaments and life and just whatever else. But we're back. And we are going to talk about what, my friend, this time? Uh, we are going to talk about NashCon primarily. Yes. Um, we are going to discuss the FAQ at a very high level. We'll spend more time on it in the next episode. Yes. Because there were actually two facts back to back. (laughs) Fact to fact. Yeah. uh, Exactly. Served to be quite controversial for some folks. So yeah. It's going to be a shorter one. You know, get you back in the swing of things. That's it. We had a good time. Yeah, we did. It was a wonderful, wonderful event. And again, we appreciate your patience hanging in there. But we are back, as Brendan said, and we are going to jump right into Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. It is hobby hobby time once again, man. I'll start because mine is basically nothing at this point. (laughs) Sure. Once we got back from NashCon, the all preparation went into Bruce City. Thankfully, I don't have to get a bunch of tables made or anything like that this year, which is super nice. Really nice. Yeah. But past that, like it's just been I'll like meander over to my hobby desk and I'll like build a model or two, <laughs> or I'll like sit there for a little bit and like look at some models to paint and like I'll toss like one color on you know a couple of guys and I'll be like meh, and you know, maybe I'll grab another couple and I'll throw a color on them and I'll just go. Nah. <laughs> I've really been doing nothing, which is fine, I guess. You know, hopefully I regain some momentum here after Bruce City. I have a one day or two weeks after that I don't necessarily need to get anything ready for, but, you know, I'm hoping that fires me up because we have Dragonfall on the other side mm-hmm. of that that, you know, I need to, need to make some decisions around. Perfect. Good. We're sitting here at the table and I'm looking at the latest bit of your handiwork <laughs> yes. here, Dan. So... We have two things. The the stuff on the table here is my unit of 30 chain rasps. And the 3,000 points at Brew City is allowing me to take some extra chain rasps. As we're going to talk about, we talk about Brew City, this is really the last time I'm going to play my Night Haunt for a while. And so I wanted to just go crazy. I'm going to have like 100 chain rasps. But I wanted to get this unit done. All I've got to do is one thing. i got to put some moss on the bases and they'll be finished. So I started Wednesday and just stayed on it. Did a little bit every night and boom, we're there. So that's great. I'm really happy that I got those finished. And it was actually kind of nice to just paint some mobs like this and just go through it 10 at a time doing whatever. And yeah, it was good. And it was good to do some basic techniques and stuff that I did with them. So it's nice that they look the same as the others because I had some of my older ones there and I haven't painted chain rasps for years. So it seems like. And then the other thing I accomplished since the last show was I got Drog finished. I didn't have him done. I wanted to have him done for NashCon and I got him done. And it was very worthwhile. It, uh, oh boy, we'll, Brendan. We'll talk about it. Yes, he, he did the work. And it was really cool because I have been 
a member of the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy for a while, mm-hmm. for a few months, four or five months. Once in a while, I'll see something that's of interest, but I was really kind of freaked out about how do I, I really want to make this model look good. And so it turned out that they actually had a tutorial on painting a Mega Gargant. It was like, oh yes, this is great. And just step by step doing the skin, which was my biggest thing and just the shading and everything else. And it was super, super useful. So that really worked. And I think he turned out good, did a little conversion on him. And I've got one more thing I'm hoping this week I'll have time for. I got some kit from Coop. Some, you know, he makes the molds of Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm hoping to make a conversion on the base for Drog, which I think will look pretty cool. Have something to do with stone walls. I think it'll be appropriate, but we'll see how that turns out. So that's my last hobby, and that'll be my last hobby for a while. I'm going to slowly but surely, once this is done, start working on my soul blight, of course. That's a lot to do, and I've got till January at Ragnarok to get it done. So no pressure there, which is wonderful. All right, so that's hobby for you and me. Yeah. We have a bunch of stuff kind of sitting out there. We the Kill Team is out now, officially on the 40K side. The Octarius box is sold out, although there's still copies available. I know, I think there was one at the store, the GW store. I know Game Universe had two or three copies hanging around. So if you want them, the they're there. The copies are there. You just got to go yeah. find them. They're just sold out online, as many things are at uh, GW. But oh, we've... No kidding. <laughs> we've gotten a Cruel Boys kind of beat Beastie Parade, that was fun, where they showed pictures of all kinds of, not just the giant vulture things, but there was trolls and all kinds of other stuff, and that was kind of fun to see. Yeah, uh, I can't wait for us to be able to order them. That would be... That would be cool, and that to would see be them cool. on the table, I'm, I'm anxious to see what people bring, and you're probably going to see some of that, hopefully, before Ragnarok. There might be one or two events that are... Yeah, I, mean, I hope it's all out before, for us at least, for Dragonfall, and if not, for Havoc. Yeah, you know. for sure. That's really cool, and then 40k Orcs is are on pre-order so yesterday they released a whole bunch of stuff it's a lot of it is those uh beast guys they're riding the beast snaggas yeah squeak hogs and yeah just snagger boys and they and got the, a big war boss. boss yep and cool models i just don't so cool i don't like the paint scheme that they did because they had like the armor was white and stuff and i'm just thinking orcs are not they're dirty they're grimy they're kind of dark you know and so if i was painting them obviously i'd do something different but i'm hoping people come up with another color because the models were really cool so i'm happy for orc players that they've got some new life there and that is really wonderful <laughs> once again we have battle tome delays significant even if they come out at the end of september r2 stormcast and Warclans, it's still a six-week delay because they're supposed to come out mid-august no they said august. august august okay so we'll give them the two weeks but it's still a month delay um if they come out at the end of september we are hoping we'll see how that goes and do you have any more thoughts in the next chaos book because initially i think you talked about maybe beasts or nurgle or do you have any updated thoughts on that or yeah i mean they said october but at this point i don't see how it's going to be october right but what do you think it'll be i think we know what it's not right i think we know it's not zinch i think we know it's not slanesh i think we know it's not it might be corn might be corn okay the ones that are in you know kind of a more desperate need of some update are corn and beasts for sure beasts I think Skaven could use some love and attention in mm. in what 3.0 is. But in terms of just the oldness of the books, you know, it's Nurgle. The issue is is that right now Nurgle's fine, right? Like in the scope of the game, the book holds up. Yeah, absolutely. It's competitive. It has a lot of options. The rules, like there are some kind of loophole rules that still exist for it that don't exactly... There's a lot of 
within rather than wholly within stuff. That's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, your trigger points are a little bit different where you get to do a bunch of different things that you normally wouldn't be able to do. So they're fine. I could see them wanting to bring that book into line with what 3.0 is despite it being you know, okay. Okay. Right? Sure. Like, I mean, Dave placed what 17th. I think he did really well yeah. with his Nurgle at Nashcon. So yeah, very good. All right. We'll call Nurgle here. Beasts maybe as a second, just because they need the help desperately. My basement would really be grateful if Beasts of Chaos got updated. <laughs> I'd probably spend the time and energy on that again. <laughs> I'm so excited for that book to come out the first time and just sure totally ran out of schemes. It was just terrible. <laughs> I, well, you can't do much about I, that. I'm so proud of all of the people that have done well with it. It is awesome and incredible. Also, I is <laughs> so, so annoyed. That's it for kind of new releases in terms of models and stuff. Warhammer Plus, of course, on the GW side has been released really? finally. And I had maybe half a dozen or more listeners had emailed me and asked me about what my thoughts were. So I'm just going to briefly share what my thoughts are, is that if you find value in what Warhammer Plus is, then I'd encourage you to sign up and enjoy it. It is what it is. And they ask then, you know, are you going to? No, I'm not because I don't find the value. That's the only reason. I already have a painting site that I go to. I have, you know, Duncan's Academy, so I don't need the paint stuff. Most of the animations are 40K, but there's still a lot of stuff in other places as sources. So once a week, I just don't find value in that. And there are other things there that maybe some other folks, again, will find a value that I just don't. I hope that the people who sign up enjoy it a lot. I wish them well with that. So it's kind of a neutral response for me. I don't want to, you know, as always, the internet trolls or, you know, they jump on it and they get really negative about it and whatever else. Fine. You know, my only comment in that way is that, you know what, G-Dub, what I'm going to ask you, please, is... Right, because they listen to us. Yeah, right. (laughs) Is get the other stuff fixed. Like... Battle tomes out on time and stuff that isn't so backed up and out of stock. Get those things fixed, please, because those are really important. I know Warhammer Plus is important to you, G-Dub, as a company. I think there's a lot more value added in those other things in terms of players and the hobby. So hopefully they can get both things lined up and that's it for Warhammer Plus. Games played where we're going to talk about Nashcon because those are our games played. Well, I've been playing and, a lot of Total War Warhammer oh, too. right. We always talk about other stuff. Yeah. yeah. How is that going? I have been meaning to finish Hearts of Iron. Not Hearts of Iron. Um, Iron Harvest. Iron Harvest. I want to make a quick comment because I want you to... So I finished the Soviet, the Russian The Soviet, yeah. That was so disappointing. Oh, come on. After all this work and they didn't get there. Oh my God. It was just so frustrating. They didn't achieved the goal and it was just I think the payoff is in the Saxony campaign it has to be I've not finished it I'm kind of where I was the last time because I've been playing Total War Warhammer with my college roommate playing the campaign with somebody else is very different Mm. Mm -hmm. and I enjoy it quite a bit more we did a Beastman campaign and because Torox the Brass Bull DLC had recently just come out sure and obviously I am a fan of the Beastman Yes. And wow, that faction went from really bad to way too good. nothing remotely posed like a threat to us. The only time like we got into kind of a weird situation was we were trying to siege a city and then like three other armies showed up and we were Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we really can't 2v4 this. 
oh no. What is it about you know adding the the brass bull in and and what so they, changed so they fundamentally? Changed, they changed like the all of the mechanics to the Beastmen faction. Okay. So they are a horde faction. They take their bases with them. You build herd stones, which allow you to collect devastation points, sure. which you spend on like upgrades and things, you know, higher unit capacity and stuff like that. But there's no upkeep to manage. And it doesn't cost you anything to buy any oh, individual that's units. That's huge. And like the lead time on every Holy unit is what? like a turn. That's insane. You fight your battle, you lose your guy, go into encamp stance, which is invisible, by the way. And then the next turn, you've got your fully tooled up army again, and you just keep moving. That's crazy. And Torox is so dumb. I got him to level 40 in like 30 turns. Holy mutt. And 30 so, so turns. There's a level 40 level cap on all of your lords and heroes. Mm-hmm. Because if you upgrade just him, he becomes this like undamageable mm. murder machine, which is correct to the lore. Oh, it sounds like um, the game. It sounds yeah, which, like the game we play on the table with some guys. Yeah, yeah which, which is totally correct to the lore uh, <laughs> in terms of what he was in, in fantasy, but sure. was not how it played out in game. He has this special mechanic that he has, like, rampage points. Okay. And you can spend, after a certain point, you can spend rampage points to reset your movements. Mm. So you just fight a battle, reset your movement, fight another battle, reset your movement, fight another battle, reset your movement, fight another battle, reset your movement. And you just keep doing that until, like, you realize that, like, you need to sit down for a moment. Replenish your stocks. Yeah. And it costs you the same amount of points to replenish your movement as the number of points you get for fighting a battle. So as long as you fight a battle with every movement reset that you do, you're good to go. Wow. It was just bananas. So we started a new campaign as Dark Elves, and my buddy is Malekith, and I am playing as Malice Darkblade. Mm -hmm. And there were some mechanics as Malice Darkblade that we did not understand. I am really struggling. Okay. (laughs) Because, like, he has some thing where, like, him being a lord means that, like, you can't, you know, replenish your guys. Mm. And it's just a slog it's absolutely brutal we started to get it figured out a little bit last night in terms of you know how it is that you play it differently as a result but sure oh my god all right Uh, okay well and he's over there you know just confederating everybody and he's got these huge armies and i've got like i was like i got four cities Uh, (laughs) hello and it's not going good i'll hold the flank (laughs) yeah well i'm on a different side of the map yeah sure oh boy all right. so, well, yeah, it sounds like you've had a lot of fun. It's it. been enjoyable. Yeah. The Beastman one was kind of wild because we didn't really understand like how good everything was until like we really started steamrolling stuff. Sure. You know, the orcs and the dwarves were strength rank one and two, and I just bulldozed four of Grimgore's armies back to back to back to back. Oh. And cool. and that was it. Like yeah. you know, and sure. then I just had free reign on all the cities in the Badlands kind of an area. And I went, all right, cool. We took care of the orcs. I guess I'm going to go up in the mountains and take care of those guys, too. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. It's, That's uh, excellent. Dark shards excellent. are busted. Okay. They're so... And, uh, for dark elves. Yeah. yeah. They're so ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to know. That's good to know stuff. I haven't played two for a long time, so... Well, I three supposed to be coming out here shortly, so we'll yeah. see what happens there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As I mentioned, I finished the Russian campaign in Iron Harvest. I've been just kind of kidding around with Beyond Earth that was just kind of between hobby. I took a break and then hobbied some more kind of thing. But I found out I was reading a magazine and there is a kind of alternative to Civ. It's called Old World. Okay. And it looks fascinating. The article kind of broke it down, but it's instead of being based on just kind of a generic leader, you know, for the different civilizations, I mean, they're historical, but you keep the same leader through the whole game. This is like 
real time. So if you end up having, I don't know who it is, it'd be like uh, Dido was the Carthaginian leader. And you would pick her, but she literally ages. Mm. So then you have a tree of like your heirs. So you actually have like a family tree that gets built over time, but then you have to pick somebody to inherit from her. And then that person gets, it's like, oh, what a cool dynamic. Cause usually in games, you don't get that. Nobody ages, mm-hmm. even though it's like hundreds of years, right? Or thousands of years. That's really a cool thing. And just the way combat and movement are different. So I think I'm going to try it since I'm going to have a little time now after Bruce City. I might download it and give it a try see what it is but it's called old world neat and other than that i haven't done a lot of alternative gaming just getting ready for stuff and you know, we had nashcon and we got brew city coming up so all right events other than nashcon did you get any feedback on the last on ramcon did you hear i was there for two games oh you were so i was driving to chicago i stopped by because they asked me to to swing by and drop off you know a couple of tables worth of stuff yeah you sure. know, to get set up with everybody i didn't have to be to chicago until like five-ish or something like that so you know i stuck around for the first game because isaiah was trying to play two games at the same time but one of his games he was playing lumineth and it was like i don't think you're gonna have time to play that second game there chief i played his iron jaws for two games sure it was good you know i think everybody was having a good time so nice yeah, there was a double maw crush a bunch of pigs oh, list. I know how that feels like. It was just all downhill. Played against Alex and I played against Tanya, so I had back to back dark elf games. Sure. Um, yeah, she's into that now. When she was at Nashcon, mm-hmm. I saw her. Yeah, that was good. You know, it looks like because Mephisto asked me to drop off a bunch of donations for the food pantry drive. Yes. Is, is what it was. So you know, it was a big stack of things, so I think it was a good time. Excellent. For me, RockCon has finally been activated. Now, it's been out for a while. I've talk, talked mm-hmm. about it, but I was really getting concerned because I hadn't heard anything about the Pathfinder stuff from Peter, who usually runs it. It's just excellent. He does such a wonderful job and finally about a week ago week and a half ago i got this email and it had like this bulletin like you might see in a tavern or something it says join the apsis consortium and i'm like what the hell is this right because usually in pathfinder you're part of the pathfinder society when you become an adventurer that's kind of the core thing in galarian which is the world and so everybody's a member of the pathfinder society if you're an adventurer so i'm going well this is really weird so it's like an alternative now to the pathfinder society oh cool which is cool and it was really mysterious but but it, was, it just came out of nowhere. So I just emailed him back. I said, does this mean that, you know, Pathfinder's on for 2021? And typical response, he goes, just look for clues. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a week later, another one came out. And it was this really cool, mysterious flyer, you know. And it was like, okay. That's we, fun. We're back on now. And it was just really fun. And then on Warhorn, they opened up all the events. So I went and jumped on that and I signed up for everything. So I'm really excited that... I've got a whole weekend of Pathfinder. and Well, it's not Pathfinder. It's the Abscess Consortium well, or whatever. I have to make that choice of whether I want to be the consortium or stay with the Pathfinder Society. Mm-hmm. So you make that choice when you're signing up, kind of. Gotcha. But I'm going to try a wizard for the first time. I've okay. never played you know, a magic user, like a sorcerer or anything. This will be really an interesting change for me so i'm excited about that now that it's online other stuff coming up we got dragonfall i know is coming up in october right yep third weekend in october got dragonfall coming up at the same time very nearby there's the michigan gt i think that's just before that i'm not planning on going to it you know just uh, doesn't really fit my schedule but but that's sure. going on i'm not sure if they have spaces or not i don't remember i think they opened it up to like 80 spots so wow. it could be holy mutt you know, sizable aos side and then uh, in november you have holy havoc down in chicago uh, right mm-hmm. yep naperville is that so, teams still yep so this is doubles so havoc is 
the doubles event, and that's in the fall. And then Holy Wars is the singles event, and that's in the spring. Sure. Cool. Yeah, we have all that going on. And then next weekend, Brew City Brawl. Oh, man. How are you feeling, T.O.? I'm okay. You know, the things that I'm nervous about, I'm nervous about time. Yeah. 315, I think, is going to be pretty tough for 3,000 points. But I don't want to say I made the decision without the complete set of information. But the more games of 2,000 point I, points I play, the the less confident I feel that 3,000 points is going to be correctly fit into 3 hours 15. Okay. I was a little bit relieved when I saw the number of lists that came in that were shockingly low model counts. <laughs> it seems like a lot of folks want to play just big smashy monsters, which I'm good for that. That yeah. is what you wanted. That, you is, that is exactly what I wanted. You know, I was... When I went to NashCon and I saw, we're going to talk about that, when I saw what NashCon ended up being at 2,000 points, I'm thinking, I can pick right now, I can, I know what Nick's bringing, our friend Nick, mm. and it's going to be monster trucks yeah. of some form. And I'm thinking of people like Tanya. And you know what? She's going to bring like a bazillion terror guys. I just know it. I, mm. I don't have to know what her list is. I know that's kind of what she loves doing. And now she can bring, instead of bringing five, she can bring however many. Sure. You know, or I'm sure that Mark Ramchek is just going to bring a bunch of giant wing demons because that's what he does sure you know and it's cool to see that they're going to be able to put even more of that foolishness and that trash on the table and it's okay i don't mind after nashcon kind of got me ready for that monster mash kind of coming at me and i'm still excited it doesn't matter what people are bringing i'm looking forward to dealing with it and just playing the games and seeing people and yeah, just like Nash kind of hanging out with folks. and I am encouraged by what people brought. That kind of tells me that maybe I'm just being a little paranoid about that. Sure. Venue's all ready to go, you know, in terms of, you know, getting things squared away. The only thing I'm trying to do is seeing if I can get them to open the bar a little bit earlier. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because when we sure. had No Depticon, it opened at four. I think it's just still COVID scheduling on, on their part. You know, if I can't, I can't. It is what it is. It's out of my control. I don't know if you saw on the Facebook page, Dan, the hall of loot yeah for the charity stuff yep the yep. heath has been sending me pictures recently of what the charity table is going to be looking like i think it's i'm going to scatter some of those photos out throughout the week in the facebook group and on twitter realm of gur table this year yep uh, so yep. it's looking pretty good yeah uh, he always does really good work and he always puts a lot of effort into the tables yes and this year i was able to give him a budget of what it is we can we can go out and do and work on and I'm sure I, he made he, good use of it knowing him. Oh, absolutely. Now is yeah. he going to be one of your your helpers then? Mm-hmm. And yep, he'll be one of the paint judges. Yep. So I, I've got more helpers than I have in years past. Oh, um, great, which is nice. With Bryce moving over to Ragnarok, I told him I said it's, it's not that I don't want you helping, but you know you really can't be to for you know a fourth of the events that we all go to. Like it's not fair. He's not able to come this year as a player, but maybe. I can convince him to swing by. Okay, good. So I've got more helpers than I'm used to, so I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, it's... uh, Good stuff. I'm glad you're in a good place right now. Friday, we start setting up at like 6 p.m. And and the weekend starts. It's exciting stuff. Looking forward to it very much. I know it'll be a great time for everybody. All right, so that is it for Whispers, my friend. And it is time now to move on to Emperor Lies. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Brendan, we're back with lies, and we're going to start out with a, as you said before, a 30,000-foot view of the fact and the non-fact and the answer fact and all those kind of things that have come out recently. Yeah. This is my once-an-episode long-winded diatribe on... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> on the process of ideation. The understood process was that we would receive FAQs four weeks after, you know, major releases. Mm -hmm. Everyone was kind of expecting that to be early August. We got that here in late August for Mm -hmm. a reason we don't really know. Uh, Communication is key. He was going to just note that just real quick. The result I would put in the category of extremely disappointing. Mm -hmm. And I have this conversation with the hindsight knowing that a lot of it got corrected yes. within a week, right? So you know, so that's the good news. Right. The, the good news is the worst of it got fixed. The thing that concerns me is that some of these were unforced errors. There will always be things that don't make sense or, you know, it's not perfect. We're all human. The question that I would pose, you know, to be answered is within your self-contained processes as the Games Workshop rules writing team Mm -hmm. who is paying attention to the interactions between number one the different armies and number two really just a couple of sentences back to each other we're not talking about legalese and this is a game with a lot of depth right there's a lot of war scrolls and they've done a lot to to streamline it and fit things very specifically into different categories yes but when you write an faq for something like sylvaneth that says hey ignore the realm root spell in the book, use the one on the war scroll, and then you go to the war scroll and there's not a navigate realm roots rule. <laughs> it's who, not funny, but who, it's... Who is it's, checking that? <laughs> the ward save stacking stuff was one of the most strangely weirded sentences oh, I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. And English just... is my first language and just barely, so I write <laughs> some pretty weird sentences. Yeah. Usually without punctuation. But it was so frustrating to see that the overall consensus of the community was, well, we're just going to ignore these things, Mm -hmm. right? The number of TOs that basically got together all independently of each other and just said, no, this is not how this works. No, this is not how Mm -hmm. this works. No, this is not how this works. Ward saves would be an example of that. Ward saves. Hey, Sylvaneth, just use your battle traits. You get to do that. Yeah. Hey, you get, you know, like, I know it says this in the FAQ, but you can ignore that. Don't worry about it try to find the right words to some frustrations here. This is to me an emblematic problem of where you can potentially lose the community. Yep. This is where, you know, the kind of problematic versions of comp come from, where the community decides what the rules are. And just to interject quickly, you know, this is exactly what happened. What you're talking about kind of out there as a shadow, this is exactly what happened in 40K. And this is exactly why... Frontline Gaming came up with an alternative tournament setting Mm -hmm. because they had to. They had no choice. And so the community, as you said, took over. They comped. It would be unfortunate if that's what we ended up having. And the reason I would personally put that in the category of unfortunate is when it becomes community controlled, you have unique individuals vying to place their perspective and opinion on how they believe the game to be played upon others. Where when mm. we take it from a third party, and we'll call it quote-unquote neutral, yes. uh, even though you know it is a company that has a vested interest in selling models and selling you books and keeping mm-hmm. you keeping you invested in, in the system. But they're not players, so you can consider them neutral. Right. right. Their investments and their interest is maintaining that flow of money, product, goods, and services. Mm-hmm. When they control that, I as a TO can say, you know, look... It, 
this isn't me. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the socially mutually agreed upon source of truth in this. I am making you know these addendums because I want to play the game just a little bit differently over here. Where if it, if it becomes a free form, my packs are going to start looking a lot different. These are going to be about forty-seven page manifestos mm-hmm. on all of the things I want to do differently. You know, because there are things in the game that I don't individually particularly like, but. I'm not looking to alienate the player base at large by saying, hey, we're just going to totally ignore this thing about your army I don't like. Where instead I'm, not to be in a political space, but more for the use of the term, I approach it from a more libertarian perspective of live and let live with, you know, this is just what's out there. You know, we're going to put a, a little bit of market control on the expectation around it. This is the Warhammer economy that we're going to live in. Exactly. I'm glad that they came back around and they addressed the worst of it. It is really frustrating that it took the community saying, hey, this is, you know, bleep. Like, this is all bleeped mm-hmm. up and you need to do something about it. I'm glad it fixed. You know, we'll go through the specifics in the next episode just so that you guys aren't confused in terms of what it is that we're talking about with our NashCon recap. Right. Bruce City will be playing with the Fact Fact yeah. next weekend and... I'm just really happy because the things I put in the FAQ in my personal event pack were the way it got written out. <laughs> Except mine were much sassier. Um, yes. It's not a Bruce City pack. They're pack very if Melnick. It's, if it's not dripping with onerous contempt for the person reading it. <laughs> it is unfortunate. And back to my original statement that, you know, when things like this happen, it's frustrating then to see them release a whole new product, a whole new something that is meant for the community to enjoy, but they can't get this other thing right you know they're having trouble with that something that's fundamental to right. so many people and, but it's not even that this is part of the core business right right the right. Uh, at least from my perspective to me fundamentally their core business is that of selling models and the subsequent mm-hmm. hobby products that go along with it part of the support to that is the game systems in which they are involved right? and the that's, rules, the that's rules. How you, that is how you sell the books that is how you sell the models it is the vehicle for transporting the largest version of your sales to the end user if your vehicle has three wheels and it is supposed to be a four-wheeled car your product is not going to get where you expect it to go But you need to do the things in your core business right. That's part of business strategy. Do what you do well, extremely well. Be the best at what you do best. Mm -hmm. The other stuff you can toy around with, but if you lose track of what you do well as a core business and there Mm -hmm. is a myriad number of business cases on businesses that have tried to do too much that have moved too far from what it is that they do well because they were spending too much time and energy on the other stuff and took for granted what it is that they do well, fail as businesses. Sure. I don't think Games Workshop is in that place, but these are, and not to be alarmist, the indicators that something is not right. Mm-hmm. So that's our thoughts on this thingy. And we'll talk more, as Brendan said, on the FAQ next time. Dive into a few of the details. We're not going to do the three-hour, two-hour thing that other people have done, but we'll certainly... Tell you what's important. Yeah. Dan will tell you that, you know, the Krollgast Cruciator just got a straight-up five-up ward as his and, bubble. Ooh, yeah. just in time for, <laughs> for me to play my last tournament with him. All good stuff. Then let's move on to happier times, and let's start talking about... NashCon. Yeah, you got it. So a week ago, we went to NashCon down in Nashville. That was only a week ago. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Wasn't it a week? That was two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two, yeah time flew. My God. That's right. Last weekend, you had something like going on. the longest week of my Woo. life. 
So two weeks ago, we had NashCon, and you and Dave flew down. Yep. And I drove down, which was fine. It was a good trip. And and this fr- was your first trip to NashCon. It is. And it was wonderful. And I'll talk about all that as we talk about the event. I had a great time. And it was fun to start the tournament with Friday over at Jacob Berry's house. That was great just to have a dozen people hanging out. And it was fun to meet some people. It was the one guy, uh, who's the guy from Calgary or up in... uh, Bud. Yeah, he was great. He was so fun and so friendly. And saw him during the tournament and, you know, we exchanged some thoughts. It was really fun to meet people like him and others that like knew who I was and I kind of knew who they were. And that still is very weird to me. Like not that like (laughs) that you just like stopped. You're like... Hey, I know your voice from somewhere. And you're like, oh no. Uh oh. Yeah. Is it from the news? Do I need to back up? Yeah. <laughs> Take a defensive stance. Yeah. So that was really cool. And just thank you to Jacob and his lovely wife for opening their home. And I know they had some sleepovers. They had a few. Which yeah. was really wonderful. And but it was just a great way to start the weekend. And and that was really cool. Saturday morning. You and Dave and I did the south of the... Yeah, we went to Waffle House. South of the Indianapolis line. We yeah. <laughs> That was cool start to the day. And then we dived in. Let's talk about game one. Game one was uh, Savage Gains, if I remember correctly. It's the classic diamond. It's a great... For anybody who wants to be a TO, this is the kind of mission that's really good as the first game of the events. Mm-hmm. It is familiar. It is an uncomplicated mission. It's easy to score. It's easy to understand. It lets everybody kind of get settled in. There's going to be a number of people there for different reasons, you know, who are nervous or, you know, whatever, right? Or they haven't played their army before. Having something that is uncomplicated as a starting point, great way to go. Sure. My first round opponent was uh, Bradley Garrison, who's playing out of Alabama. He had Ideneth Deepkin. In one of his lists, he had Gotrek and a bunch of eels. And the other list was some shield eels, a turtle, and a Eidolon of the Storm who was made a wizard with flaming weapons. He ultimately picked that list. My two lists for the weekend were the Virkos list that I took to Circle City. And then a Legion of Night list, which was a two drop, and it starts with 16 models on the table. And I was very interested in seeing how that goes. So I pulled Virkos, and he pulled the one that had Shield Eel, Turtles, and the Eidolon. And that was the list of the two that I wanted to see. It's not that I didn't think I couldn't handle Gotrek. It was the bunch of Morsar Guard eels that I would have been more concerned about, Mm -hmm. because they get to dictate the combat where and when and how and why. With the game, he had me go second, which... It wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but he moved up. He scored some points. Then I moved up. I charged onto some objectives, and I scored some points. Cool, nice, nice even balance. I tied up a bunch of his his eels and his turtles and all that. This was the Foython where if you flip the tides, you have high tide turn two, which is, you know, um, pretty good. So he high tide turns to me, and he overextends himself just a little bit. He takes a lot with him, right? You know, he does a lot of damage here in that turn which was good and probably what he was hoping for. But my Vangorian Lord is just going toe-to-toe with the... This, by the way, listeners, will be a common theme. The Vangorian Lord, remember that. The Vangorian Lord is just going toe-to-toe with the Leviathan, just chewing up all of his attacks and, you know, being super chill about it. But he leaves an opening at his back objective, which is worth a total of four points. And I go, this is a job for Manfred. And (laughs) I send Manfred over there because it was only protected by like three of the shield eels and there Mm. were some reavers there and I wanted to make sure that the 
Reavers were not going to be able to unleash hell on Manfred as he makes that charge. Sure. In his top of two, I was piling in with my skeletons in such a way to mm. just tag the Reavers so that they were within three inches of another enemy unit. Now, yeah. did you bring them up from gravesite or? No, they were on the board. Okay. Just they, moving. Yeah, they, so they sent them forward. So they were on my left objective, maintaining just good board presence. I knew I was going to need to kind of accelerate the pace because my right side was not looking great. He was swinging through with that Eidolon of the Storm with flaming weapons who hit like a freight train. Okay. Oh my goodness. If you are a Deepkin player and you know, you're sitting there kind of reassessing what your army looks like in 3.0, may I put in front of you the Eidolon of the Storm with the Arcane Tome taking flaming weapons on his spear because it is bananas okay it is so good like on the charge it ends up being like damage five or something wild at twos and twos and ren two and it just Uh, and then he's got you know two other profiles that that he fights with you know one is pretty good and one is nothing you know he can reliably heal 3d3 a turn it's just such such a good war scroll in the context of 3.0 and some of the things that you can integrate with it send manfred over there i take his objective my left side is strong my right side needs a little bit of work but at the end of two i managed to roll the the dice that brings a unit back and i drop a unit of zombies on my right objective so now the eidolon and the shark that are in between the right side objective and my objective he now controls none of the objectives okay He's got to start making some decisions because he wins priority into three. I make the objective that on the left side where all the turtles and everything is disappear, which forces him to make an an uncomfortable and an unpleasant Mm. decision. Do I shift everything back there? Do I jump to try and go get his objective? But you're removing yourself from a position where I am going to be able to regain strength and turn around. Okay. Ultimately, it became a situation where I was scoring too much too quickly and there was nothing he could really do about it. Okay. You know, we played through four. We talked through five on what, you know, what could happen. We made a couple of dice rolls, but ultimately I ended up taking a a major victory out of that game. So perfectly great. Good stuff. And you rolled out Drog for the first time. Oh my gosh, man. (laughs) Brendan, I cannot thank you enough for weeks ago, when it was weeks ago, that you made that recommendation to me. When I opened the conversation with, hey man, I've got kind of a crazy idea. Exactly. And it was at the time, but... It certainly vindicated itself in no small way. In game one, so I had two lists. I had my drog list, basically, Hmm. and then I had my circle city list. I just kind of right the the two coaches and right, yeah. You played something that you were comfortable with, right? But your drog list had drog and twenty heritons, correct? Which Um, is the first time I'd have ever played them as well in the long run. Very different list from what you've been playing. Used to, yeah. I had one coach in that list, and not the two. I had Rykonor. That's mm-hmm. another thing I brought. I put a corpse candle on my guardian. So now I had two magic users who could both be casting at plus three, at least for one turn for the guardian, but Rykonor for the whole game. Mm-hmm. And I was not used to that either. So I literally on my little cheat sheet, I had a list of all the spells I could cast. And in one of my games, actually that really paid off with Rykonor and having him have that nice list of spells he could cast. But anyway, so I played a guy named Dan Bolter from Columbus, and he had an Archeon Zinch list. This is what I started the tournament against. I was just, I saw Archeon on the table and I'm going, oh man, here we go. But it turned out to be really close. So he went first, and Archeon charges because dice. You just, Destiny so, dice. 
So I'll talk about this in my game too, but the way that this works is in Host Arcanum, what you end up doing with Archeon is Archeon is a demon Zinch hero. Yep. So he becomes minus one to hit base. Mm-hmm. Uh, his war scroll at the time, you were rerolling sixes to hit. Oh, he, God. Was, he was reliably a two plus save. It's the nightmare. Rerolling all of his hits and wounds. It was just a nightmare. So he just does everything. He used two destiny dice, two mm-hmm. sixes. He charged in and he killed Raikonor. And he had 13 casts in turn one. It was just gross. And Yikes. guess what? A unit of 10 blues. Boom. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> so we had five VP at the end of the first turn. But, and this was just so freakish, that Drog did 12 wounds to Archeon in one turn. When you think about the chances of that getting through all that, especially with the re-rolling sixes at the time, he had forgotten the minus one to hit for the first couple turns, which Oops. I'm thankful for. I didn't know about it, so right. I was like... I would have certainly reminded him. But anyway, so 12 wounds to Archeon, which means I only had a few more to get through, like six or I think he has 20 or does he have 18? 20. 20, yeah. So I had eight more to get through, but that was huge. But I had 20 Herodons in the coach, about 10 Herodons in base, roughly eight to 10. And then the coach, they did nothing because all their damage comes from blowing up sixes, from sixes or mortal wounds. And none of that did I get from either one of those. So I did nothing with all that. I got my tactic though, which was conquer, which was take an objective. So I'm at five VP. So we're tied after turn one. And by the way, I want to say, as always, to all of my opponents, if there's something I misstate or whatever, I apologize. I did take copious notes this time, as opposed to the last <laughs> tournament that we talked about, which was all from my shaky memory. So I think this will be a little better. Uh, turn two, I took priority. And I was still thinking, man, you know, because he had taken, by the way, Drog down to uh, one or to two wounds in turn two. I was thinking, you know, it's kind of game at this point because he was going to kill Drog and if I didn't have Drog I had no chance against Archeon he got another 13 fate points another 10 blues on the board Uh, then Drog took a mortal wound and I don't remember where from I think it was a spell or something he was down to one wound and Dan was at 10 VP but I killed Archeon the next turn later that turn my turn which was great it was just so freaking wonderful even though I had one wound left and Drog was essentially useless because he was going to die but just killing Archeon it was like I don't care how the game turns out at this point that was just such a highlight for me is taking that model off the board I got my tactic which was bring it down now I know I took a chance a a risk in picking that because you know am I going to get him yeah but now I'm at 12 and he was at 10 looking good looking good right now I won priority in three i chose to go second so i could burn an objective i think i chose not to as i looking at my notes and god knows why <laughs> the screamers in the oh by the way he got another 10 fate points 10 more blues that turn pinks right. turn into two blues yes each blue turns into quote unquote two brimstones but two brimstones are on every base okay that's what it is mm-hmm. all right thank you thank you for clarification there so his screamers and his blues charged my heritons took them down to 10 uh, models and dan was at 15 vp at that point mm-hmm. i dropped my guardian and 20 chain rafts into his territory i got savage spearhead i was at 15 vp so we were tied at the end of three it was looking good i mean i still had enough to hold him off and i knew i could get a tie in this game mm-hmm. And I did the Dan stupid move. But, oh, no. I, but But let's just say that I'm so proud of my night haunt for tying an Archeon Zinch list, Brendan. That was so cool. But I moved Drog into combat. Stupid move. He took one wound. He got the one point for killing a monster. Mm. So now it was 16-15. And it was like, 
okay, Drog's gone. He just put another, you know, however many wounds on the table. I'm done. And so we talked it through. We talked turn four through because I really didn't want to give up. But it was like, okay, he's going to have another you know, 10 blues on the table next turn. And it was just going to go on and on. And I wasn't able to replenish. Uh, so it was a great game though. And he was a great opponent. I think he was kind of, it seemed like he was kind of learning the list a little bit, but with those models in that list, you can do a lot of work. Yes. And it's just brutal. But I was happy that it was that close. It was a good game one for me overall, even though I took the loss. It was good. And I was really happy with with game one, despite the loss. I'm not happy I lost. You never should be if you lose, but I'm happy with the way it played out. And I'm so happy with Drog. <laughs> he did so much damage. He killed Archeon. So let's go to game two. Yeah, so How did you do game for- two was the Feral Foray. Mm-hmm. And I got to play Bud. Mm-hmm. Bud is a magical and lovely human being. Go listen to his part, uh, his podcast that he's on, Party at the All Points. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bud, I miss you. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> so great. Bud was playing Host Arcanum Zinch Archeon, oh, yeah. which includes Kairos, a change caster, a great brace shaman, unit of 10 pinks, and I think it was three units of screamers. Obviously, you know, Archeon. Walking into that game, this is a mission where you can burn objectives for points. As I was sitting there, I thought, okay, really probably not going to be able to do anything about Archeon. You know, my units that have some horsepower to them. Mm-hmm. Being made minus one to hit, not great. Having to reroll sixes, okay, fine. For you, uh, that's not a problem. Yeah. Not a huge deal, but you know it negates Belladama's under the killing moon where sixes are two hits. It's not the end of the world, so I would just have to put a bunch more attacks on him through the Vampire Lord, and you'll see that that wasn't going to be an option. So I thought to myself, okay, well, you know, we're just going to try and deal with everything but Archeon, and we'll you know just try and tarp at him for as long as we can. Bud gave me the first turn in his pregame move, moved up two of his units of Screamers, which I thought was a bit of a mistake on his part. Because what that allowed me to do was send the Vangorian Lord after one of the three units, the unit of three Screamers, and oh, one of them was unit of six, that's what it is, and Manfred after the other unit of three, which basically put him into his back left corner of which was just where all of his models were oh, and i thought i thought okay you know cool like i have you know a dominant board position i had summoned up my zombies you know who i was hoping were going to try and make a, a you know a longer charge into his into his screamers or his pinks that were nearby and just start to spiral that zombie unit failed the charge but you know whatever that's life like okay i'm in a good spot you know, his turn, he turbocharges Archeon, sends him up the board, you know, setting up a charge. Uh, but then he dropped a spell portal down. And then the other end, you know, 18 inches away, basically, and casts Bolt of Change out of it and does six mortal wounds to my vampire lord, who oh, is a five wound model. Brendan. And kills him. And I'm sitting there going, well, that's not great. Uh, <laughs> that was going to be one of my linchpins to you know, kind of hoping to do a little bit of damage to Archeon or anything that might have made it over to, to my side of the table. Sure. And I go, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> so Archeon charges in and just manages to get into oh. my 20 Graveguard and just destroys him. Sure. I'm sitting there going, Ugh. uh-oh. <laughs> the, so, you know, thanks. This is not looking good for our hero. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is, uh, it's not great. Ugh. As we move along, I go, okay, well, uh, my general's dead. Like we gotta escalate this the pace of things here. Sure. And he had set up a, a wall of blues 
you know, near nearby his uh, change caster. So I send Manfred over and I'm like, okay, you know, hopefully I make a long enough charge and he doesn't Kairos dice this into, you know, only being able to fight the blues. I roll like a nine and I was fully expecting him to turn my six into a one. And so it'd be a four and I'd only fight the blues, but he doesn't. And you fit into like this little perfect space where like Manfred's base just, just Uh, fit. uh, It's perfect. Manfred just cuts down the change caster. Great. And the Vangorian Lord is, you know, moving over, you know, making sure that we've got control of all of our objectives and, and all that as we're... As now, well. just real quickly for Feral Foray, talk about that. Yeah, so quickly. Feral Foray, you can burn one objective every turn or in that you control within your opponent's territory, but you have to have a unit within one inch of the objective. And there are three in their territory, three in yours. Yes. Okay. And they're worth one for every one that you control. It's, a, it's one point for one one point for two, one point for more. Right. And then if you burn one, you get an extra point. Right. Gotcha. So, you know, at some point there becomes like this kind of like mass economy of you don't, yeah. you know, you just you just control too many points kind of a thing. Cut down his change caster and I don't burn any objectives yet. I'm kind of waiting to see where the dice fall in terms of, you know, the turn burn, as it were. Sure. And... I've got Archeon chaffed up with my unit of 30 skeletons who just refuse to die. I've got him double piling in. So yeah, he kills 27 of them, but I get 22 to stand back up. <laughs> so yeah, we're just holding them in place, holding them in place, holding them in place. Let the rest of my army do the rest of what my army does. Cool. Roll priority. He wins the priority. He chooses to go second and he burns an objective on my side of the table. Mm-hmm. And I kind of raise my eyebrow because... Like- those objectives are worth more to him than they right. are to me. Yeah, And I control two of his three and I control all three of my three. So why not pull your own? But, you know, he's like, at the end of the game, you know, let's talk about this decision. I go, okay, yeah, sure. Not a problem. That ultimately, you know, spoiler alert on this, like that ultimately ended up costing him the game because we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So Manfred's over there. He spikes Kairos into the ground. The Vangorian <laughs> Lord takes on, you know, the unit of six screamers. You know, I just start kind of like accruing my point. I see my skeletons kind of slipping away. And yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I don't know how many more combats they're going to be able to do of this, but, you know, we're going to try. We get through three and there's like uh, 20 minutes left. So we go, okay, okay, we can play four. So we play out four. Mm-hmm. At this point, all he's got left is Archeon and the Bray Shaman and a unit of 10 panks. Wow. I'm sitting there feeling pretty good. Well, wasn't he bringing anything in with fate points or... He didn't have as many casting attempts as as your opponent did. Yeah, okay. So he was. He was bringing in blues, but I was killing them. You know, we were sure. getting rid of them. We were clearing the board That's and, great. Okay, and yeah. handling all that. So we play through four, and we sit there, you know, in the board state, and we we talk through, you know, roll the priority for five, and we talk through what, what happens in five, and we do the math for all. And at the end of it, I win on one victory point. Yeah, that's like unbelievably game one. close. Game. Oh god! And so as we were talking about it, I was like, "Hey, like if you had burned this objective on your side of the board, that would have been a two point swing against me and a one point, you know, one point swing for you, and you would have actually won this game by two if you had burned this objective instead of that one." Okay. We had a real good talk around it, and you know, we had a had a lot of fun. He got my favorite opponent vote for the weekend. Just. Such a cool dude, and it was just a good time that was had at that table. And I ended up getting his favorite opponent vote, which oh, neat. I think anybody who knows me, any amount of favorite opponent votes I get is uh, is an upset <laughs> yeah, in many cases. So that's good. Just a 
super hard game, well played, a lot of fun. It was great to be able to play Bud, and hopefully he finds his way down into the Midwest to be able to... And where's he from? He's up in Canada, so like, oh, right. you know... Milwaukee's like a 14-hour oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, like drive for him. And he was talking about it just as like a real casual thing he would absolutely do. And I was like, yeah, man, go for it. Like, you are We'd welcome love here. to see you. Yeah. Super nice guy. Yeah, he was. And then when I met him at Jacob's, he was just a great yeah. guy. Great stuff. So round two. All right. You're in the loser's bracket, Dan. <laughs> Game two, I played Clay Long from Huntsville, another Alabama guy. He had Beast Claw Raiders. So I was playing Monster Trucks. Mm-hmm. He had three Stonehorns, including his Frost Lord. He had a Huskarl and six Mornfangs. Ooh. That's what I was looking at. And I'm going... It's not too bad. Not with Drog, no. no. <laughs> it was better than I... I felt a lot more comfortable after game one seeing what happened. You're like, oh, I do a ton of damage. This I will can, be okay. Yeah, it was okay. So he gave me first turn, which it was kind of like, okay... Because with Beast Claw or, you know, War Clans, if you've got cabbages and stuff, you want to just get in there and mm-hmm. engage. I cast Shackles, which was awesome. That this is the right again, army you want that for. This is, yeah. I dropped my Herodans at a 20 brick of chain rasp, so I got Savage Spearhead. And I cast his Shackles just in a place where I knew he was going to have to move his Frost Lord and a couple other people so he could not engage me. I had it at the right distance. Mm-hmm. I'm getting pretty good at figuring out placement for this thing. So that was pretty neat. Good, good. And so I ended up at the end of my turn, I'm basically moving stuff to position my army rather than to, I'm not going to attack him. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to wait for it to come because he still needed a couple of turns to get to me. Well, and with so, the shackles, yeah. Yeah, and so it was four VP for me. I believe I burned uh, an objective uh, at that point because I controlled the one. What I did was, and this wasn't the first time in the tournament, I put my Herodans close enough to the objective, but kept them on a piece of terrain so that they were a little harder to get to in terms of him trying to charge them. So they weren't on the objective. They were within six of it. And I had enough bodies there, Mm -hmm. which was really good. His Beast Riders, it wasn't his Frost Lord, ended up getting to my Herodans. He took out 10. So he took out half of them. Yep. Okay. And he got four VP that. So it was four to four after the first turn. I got priority second turn. I got nine of my 10 Herodans back. (laughs) The other thing that happened, which was crazy, I'd spent some CPs for various things, Mm -hmm. and I was down to zero CPs, and I needed like a six-inch charge for Drog to get into his Huskarl. I rolled Snake Eyes. Oh. And I was out of CPs. Like, you idiot. Oh, my gosh. What was interesting, though, was at the same time, my Herodans moved over because he hadn't really gone for that. You know, he, they basically moved over and around. He took that one, uh, he, he moved his beast riders over to my inheritance to take some of them out, but then he moved them towards my spirit torment, which mm-hmm. was there. So I had an opening to get to one of his units of Mornfangs because he had a two and a four. My inheritance moved forward and he took out a unit of Mornfangs, which was really cool. I also took an objective. I got conquest. The coach made a huge move and took another objective. So that was my conquest because the coach took an objective. Mm -hmm. I was just really surprised at how he was moving his big units on the board. I know Shackles was there, but it was just interesting how he was moving his units around. Sure. He charged... This was another crazy thing. So he charged my spirit torment with his beast riders. I made six out of six four-up saves. Pretty good. It was pretty damn good. And he survived. He actually lived. Or his Frost Lord charged my coach. I made four out of four four four-up saves. And he lived through that charge, which against a Frost Lord, man, that was incredible. Pretty good. Yeah. The Huskarl did get into Raikonor and killed him. He got uh, six. He was at six VPs. I was at nine at that point. So it was nine to six. And then turn three, I won the priority for turn three. And Drog 
did get into the husk carl this time what happened was i you know rolled the charge on him again mm-hmm. i rolled snake eyes again brennan oh boy it was two times but I had a CP left. Well, thank so, goodness. Yeah, so I made the charge. I killed his Huskarl. The coach survived another round of attacks from the Frostlord, which was insane. And so the total I had made was 10 four-up saves between the Torment and the coach. I got broken ranks from killing the next Mornfang unit because I got into them and I killed them. So he had no more big guys on the, no more uh, Mornfangs on the table. So it was 14 to 12 at that point at the end of turn three. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he won the priority in turn four, but he did not get his tactic. So we got no points that turn. Wow. Which was was devastating to him. At that point, Drog got into another one of his Beast Riders, killed another. So he killed three monsters this game, which is amazing. Pretty all right. The Herodons controlled another objective. And what was weird is after... After that one turn, and you know, we just talked about getting models back, but he really didn't go after my heritage at all. They were just kind of free to roam the board a little bit, and I was not sure what that was about. I wasn't sure what was going on with that. But they did control another objective. My chain rasp retreated to grab another objective because they had the bodies, even though he counted as 10, it was my 20 brick. And so at that point, I had won the game. I had, what was it, 17 points, I think. And by the time I did all of my... No, it was 19 points. And then when I added my points for the whole game, for everything I was going to get, it ended up being 23-14. So I got the win. Nice. Which was great. Yeah, it was very, very good. Great opponent. Really great guy. And I think he might have been just a little bit hesitant on you know how aggressive to use his big guys. I was, based on what I've seen from you when I played you, I was expecting that aggressiveness. It was all downhill. Yeah. That that army just plays full tilt. And so I was a little surprised. But, you know, again, it was, you know, there's six objectives and you have to play to those and you have to grab certain ones and you have to burn certain ones. So there was a lot going on in the board. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was a great game and I got... Clean win. You know, it wasn't a minor, it was a major win. So that was really great. Good. That was my ter- my uh, game two. So how about your game three? So game three was the vice. It has been a long time since I have been beaten this oh. thoroughly. Oh, God. I was playing Anthony, and he's from New York. And he was playing Knights of the Empty Throne, the uh, Varengard list. It was okay. a unit of six, two wizards, a chaos lord, two shrines, two units of 20 marauders, and a unit of... 20 or 30 chaos warriors it's a good list i decided to play my legion of night list because you know there's a lot of objectives in a lot of different places and i want to try and be able to threaten some of those objectives early okay to be able to you know kind of keep the score in a place where late it becomes difficult to come back from unfortunately for me none of that plan worked uh so this list is manfred necromancer with above suspicion which allows him to be set up in ambush but be set up basically anywhere on the table more than nine inches from enemy models instead of just within six inches of the board edge a vangorian lord unit of 20 graveguard three units of three vargais and a unit of 30 skeletons a unit of er, no a unit of 10 skeletons and a unit of two units of three bats And so I deploy the two units of three bats. Oh, it's 40 zombies, not the 30 skeletons. So I deploy the unit of 10 zombies and the two units of three bats, which allows me to set up three units in ambush and up to three units in the grave. So the grave guard and the zombies go in the grave. Manfred, the Vangorian Lord, and the Necromancer go into ambush. And the unit and the Vargais, the three units of Vargais go up in the sky. Right. There's nothing on the board. I played this list and it's really scary looking because there's nothing there. It's an empty board. So I had him go first. 
And he moved up just like I thought he was going to do to try and do some zoning and spacing, which was fine. I knew he was going to deploy in a way where the first turn I wasn't going to be able to get to any of the objectives on his side that were in the corner. Sure. If he had set up, you know, there, it would have probably been closer to game. But he's a very good player and it's a very good list. So I was expecting him to know kind of what to do there. So I drop some of my stuff down and I fail every single charge with my rerolls, just fail, fail them all. Familiar. Yeah. Fail the every single one. It's not even like, oh, I didn't roll, you know, whatever to get my wave of terror off, Dan. I didn't roll. No. I didn't make any charge. I know what you I made mean. none. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He wins priority <laughs> into two. It's like you didn't have that turn. Yep. It's, like, it's a non-turn, yeah. Yep. Went priority into two. He wins it. His Varengard go over, kill my 20 Graveguard, kill my Vangorian Lord, kill three of my Vargeis. My dice were so bad in this game. (laughs) And I'm not a person who likes to blame their dice. He's a great player with a great list. You know, he played better than I did. The killer, right? Because in a situation where you were playing a person of that caliber with a list of that caliber, who was just not going to make any kind of frequent mistakes Mm -hmm. you like your dice cannot run away from you i couldn't do anything yeah like i at one point you know i've i'm making a bunch of attacks that are on twos and twos because manfred's nearby and you know sixes explode and you know sixes to wound do this and and i'm like all right three saves and he looks at me and goes man what did you do what happened like it was so bad that he had to just acknowledge that like oof yeah sure I lost handily. It wasn't close. You know, we were done very quickly because uh, his list just just cleaned up everything sure. I had. I tried to get as many points as I could out of it, but <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, it was rough. He ended up like taking fourth place or something like that. And, oh, well, there you go. Um, so you, know, you can't be too upset in that regard. I hope at some point to play him again and give him a better game. But yeah, for the time being, it just <laughs> this sounds strangely like you said. Playing, giving somebody a better game. This sounds strangely like my game five. So which, which okay. Hell? So all right, my game three was against uh, Chase Marnier from Chicago. He had a Sylvaneth with a Larial list. He had his pipe player, and he had some hunters with bows. He had some revenants, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Turn one was pretty quiet turn for me. I moved some stuff forward, made sure I held my objectives because those stupid revenants can jump around. So I wanted to make sure I protected my objectives that he didn't just use some kind of opportunistic move to do that. He cast seven spells that turn. So I'm thinking, oh my God, I just played a list that cast spells like that. So seven that turn and including Metamorphosis, which did five mortals to Rikonor. See, he was almost dead mm-hmm. at that point. I did get Furious Advance because I moved my coach and my drag and Raikon are up on that one side to get something. And so I have uh, four VPs at that point. He just kind of sat there. He cast his spells and he kind of threw stuff back. But he didn't move very much, really. He kind of stayed in his part of the board. Turn two, I dropped my Herodans and a 20 brick of chain rasps. I got wave of terror off on both i took out some revenants i took out one unit of his hunters which was great or three of his hunters i got broken ranks because i took the revenants out so that was cool i got drog into position where i could charge alario but i didn't screen him oops <laughs> stupid idiot man so what happened alario charges drog she did six damage from her spear she got she rolled a six on the spell so that was six mortals. So right away he was down 12. And then those beetle pinchers. Holy mutt, man. Five damage. Yep. 
He just, there was just no chance. So Drog was dead. It is his turn too. Dude, I like, okay, let's talk through this. Let's say what's going on. He was easily in control. And he was bringing models back into what I killed. Because mm-hmm. uh, he can bring models back with Alarial and with the pipe player. Because he had, what? what is the guy? He The the waste, the Warsong Revenant. That's it, the Warsong, Warsong Revenant. So yep. good. Yeah, he was really great. And so that was over, not quickly, because it took a while. It was kind of like a slow death. Because <laughs> we were both moving models, we're both doing stuff. But again, that overwhelming amount of casting he had to do different things and buff his army and the amount of mortal wounds that Alarial could generate was just insane. I don't have a whole lot of defense against that. I mean, a six up is kind of nothing. And Drog didn't have that. My game was a loss for me. So I am at this point one and two. But good game. Chase was a great guy. You know, I thought how like just brutal Alarial in that piper were that revenant but i saw him play a monster truck list later and he just got hammered by them sure so it was like okay i don't feel so bad now but great guy and i i hope some time to play him again it was nice to see sylvaneth doing well that was really good too yeah, he was the only sylvaneth player there yeah so he was it was nice to see him doing okay finished first in the sylvaneth category yeah, yeah right so good stuff and i think we're going to take a break After game three, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about day two. All right. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. All right, buddy. You ready to roll? Yeah. Are you ready to finish this bad boy up? And we're going to talk about our game fours. So, Brendan, what about yours? Yeah, so game four is first blood. This is a mission in which there's three objectives along the diagonal, and you set up in your respective corners. Yes. None of them are prime, so you can remove them, but you can make them worth additional command points, mm-hmm. which is a mechanic that both my opponent and I forgot for the entirety of the game, and it probably didn't matter, I don't think. So I was playing Michael Caldwell from Detroit, okay. and he was also playing Soul Blights. He was playing a Veercoast list where both lists were kind of similar. Oh, this is your mirror match, yep. Yeah, this is our mirror match. And actually, at the end of day one, the other death players, other than Michael and I, were really not having a good time. They were getting their butts kicked pretty bad. Yeah. There was of the field of 70 or 80, there was only there was only 8 of us playing death. Mhm. And yes, we were. So we were talking about you're like, "Oh, how cool would it be to play game 5 to decide, you know, best in faction?" Pairings go up Saturday night during dinner and I find that, you know, Mike and I are paired. I was so excited. Mike's been at a bunch of tournaments, you know, that I've been at. And we've never had the opportunity to play each other. You know, he's always usually cruising around with uh, with some death stuff too, pretty typically. So it was a cool opportunity to play somebody that you know hadn't had the chance to play. Sure. His list that he went with was a Vingorian Lord who is the general who uses the wound counts as the number of models that he uses the cap as. He had Belladama, who was using the Umbral Spell Portal to cast wolves and stuff through. Yes, we had talked about that before. That's a great strategy. Yeah, it's a very good strategy. Two units of 20 zombies, two units of 20 graveguard, Manfred, a necromancer, and a unit of 10 dire wolves. Well, that's very similar. Very, very similar. Wow. (laughs) And so we found that there is some kind of funny wordings in the Soul Black Gravelords book where you can summon out of any gravesite that's on the table. Mm. Doesn't have to be yours. So we have eight gravesites on the table. (laughs) Now you don't get your death save from any of, from all the gravesites. You only get your death save from yours. But wherever we placed them was going to be fair game in terms of where we could deploy units from the grave. He beats me in deployment, and he's got a unit of 20 Graveguard that are in the grave, 
and he chooses to go first. I personally thought was a mistake, given that my army was slower than his. Because I had set up where in my little staircase on the left side were my skeletons with the necromancer. You know, there was the 10 skeletons just kind of in the middle protecting my vampire lord who was going to be able to hand out buffs either which way. Manfred was hanging out on the left side as well. On the right side is my 20 graveguard with the Vangorian lord sitting behind them. Kind of as a, as a bit of bait, a bit of a trap. Okay, okay. And... I wanted his stuff coming that direction. If he was going to send things at me, I wanted it to be in the protective bubble of the Vangorian Lord. Okay. I had my 40 zombies in the grave. You know, he moves up, you know, gets, his, gets a bunch of his buffs off, takes the objective to my left, his right, takes the center objective, and then the objective on his left, my right, you know, he leaves alone and summons up the 20 graveguard and charges him into my 20 graveguard. Okay. And he kills... And the wolves are in a place where they're going to pile in as well. He kills 15 of them. I go, ooh, not great. <sighs> My five swing back. Kill 13. Because oh. he was out of death save range. He was out of all of his buffs. Okay. And he had overextended himself in that combat. And, you know, the wolves pile in and, you know, they're fighting the Vangorian Lord. And the Vangorian Lord, I think, pulls off basically the rest of that unit. Oh, yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, Okay. Not too uh, bad. Yeah. But he immediately summons the 20 back as the 10, you know, because you get right. to make the yeah, sure. in, the, in the battle shock phase sure, sure. To, to bring guys back. And he made the roll, yeah. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Okay, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I start to bring up my graveguard unit back to strength. <clears throat> I send Manfred out to the left to go take care of the 20 zombies that are over there. And I start moving up my skeletons t- to seize a position in the middle. And I set up my zombies on my right side. You know, okay. Pretty good. This is another point in time where I think he made kind of a, a critical misplay is where he kind of splits his army up at that point hmm. and, and sends some things at my zombies. He sends some things at Manfred. You know, he kind of neglects the middle because the, the unit of skeletons that are going to occupy that position are, are going to be in a, in a strong place. But I can't remember if this is turn two or three. But he ultimately sends... His other unit of 20 Graveguard and his summoned unit of 10 Graveguard at my 40 Skeletons supported by Manfred. Okay. And my 40 Zombies supported by Manfred. And he just deletes them. Just oh. re- just removes ooh, all ooh, of them. Ooh. You know, because they're the, they're the great weapons. They're damage yeah. two, they're rend one. I don't have a save. Oh, yeah. You know, like, just gone. And we get to the end of two and he looks at me and he goes, he goes this turn three is going to really matter. I said, I don't think so. I don't think it matters at all. I said, I think this game is is over because like I've been bringing my grave guard, you know, bring them back to strength. I've got a very strong position, you know, in the center and on the left, I don't feel too bad because Manfred can hang, you know, Manfred can be there a while and, and do his thing. And ultimately I win the priority role for three. I had summoned 20 zombies to sit on that left side objective as well. I go, okay, I win, I win the priority for three. I choose to go second. I burn none of them because I know if I keep it as a three objective game, he has to go wide and he doesn't have the units anymore. He's running out of units that he can summon. The units that he's going to be able to summon back when he gets those dice rolls are only going to be at half strength. And it just becomes pulling him apart. I didn't want to fight his army as a block. Right. I knew as a block, he was probably going to be able to out damage me. Okay. But by forcing him in multiple directions at the same time, 
his army is just as slow as mine, realistically, once I got the dire wolves off the table. I knew there that if he was, wasn't going to be within those bubbles, anything that left his support piece bubbles, I was going to be able to be within my own self-contained unit and, and handle, mm-hmm. you know, take care of business. And that's really exactly what happened. I think that there were just, the way he was looking at the game state and the way I was looking at the game state were, were totally different. I had a plan for his plans, and I don't think he had a plan for mine. I think is what ended up being the a bit of the deciding factor. It was really nice to play Mike, you know, again, because it was, he's a Midwest local, right? In that, you know, I'd see him all the time, but, you know, this is now four games in a row where I've not played somebody I've played before, which which was really cool. Even, even when it's a, a local-ish, you know, kind of a player. Sure. So I'm sitting on three wins and one loss, and it puts me in the driver's seat for best death. Perfect. So... Great. My game four was against Cale Thompson. He was from Nashville. Turns out he is David the TO's brother-in-law, mm-hmm. which was kind of fun. And he brought a War Clans list with two Maw Crushes and six Pigs. He had ten Brutes. He had his Shaman and a Drummer. And then some little retinue of four guys. I don't know what that was, but it didn't make a whole lot of difference in the mm-hmm. game. Again, I saw two Maw Crushes and I'm like, oh God. And then the Pigs, and everybody knows about Pigs. And I'm just going, okay. It was kind of like seeing all the monster trucks or seeing Archeon again. I'm going, okay, I can do this. And he took first turn. He ran his pigs and his cabbages, which was perfect. Because he ran his cabbage over towards the right side of his line to grab that objective. He ran his pigs towards the center objective. And he left me a huge V in which to drop my shackles. Oh, no. Perfect, Brendan. When he made that move, my inside, I just got this huge grit on my face going... God, that's perfect, Kale. That's exactly where I wanted those things. Mm. And dropped the... And he's like, what? I'm going, okay, here you go. And huge retraction. Tyler, I hope you're listening. Huge retraction. Permanexus, I brought it. And it did work, this game. Oh, good. It was really cool to see how well it had done. And I'll talk about specifically what it did. But I used it, and I ended up casting it back. to. He had his shaman and drummer kind of next to each other. I cast it because it goes huge. I dropped it back there. It took mortal wounds off of both of those guys. I also dropped a unit, my unit of 10 chain rasps next to them, and they made their charge. Nice. So Mortal Wounds, Chain Rasps, I was about to kill two of his centerpieces, his buff pieces, which was really cool. All that and the shackles were holding things up. He had 10 Brutes on the other side, and what I did was I moved another unit of 10 Chain Rasps over to that objective. It was kind of up on a piece of terrain. I had those objectives, and he moved his pigs to the other one. My coach and my drog charged his pigs. Yeah. Oh, man, Brendan, it was freaking awesome, dude. I killed five. Mostly with Drog. And the other one ran because he was at minus two bravery. One from Drog and one from Nighthaunt. Poof. Went away. It was just so cool. So the pigs were gone. He had the two Maw Crushers. And the other Maw Crusher was on his left side, kind of, at that point. He still hadn't brought it really far forward, but it was still moved up. So he had his Brutes in his two cabbages still. So that's kind of how turn one went, which was great for me. I had a really good turn That sounds like a really solid first turn. And things were just clicking. Things were just where they were supposed to be. So turn two, he moved that Maw Crusher that wasn't on the objective over, took 21 wounds off of Drog. He just beat up on Drog pretty badly. He damaged a coach, the coach with his brutes. It wasn't gone. And the Herodans took 
the objective from the other cabbage using proximity. They didn't engage it. Once again, you know, he positioned it so that the edge of it was on the objective of his model so that I could have my guys outside of six inches or within six inches, but it's outside of three. Mm -hmm. And we were measuring really carefully and stuff. And, you know, he's only worth, what, five? He's not a beast claw guy. Yeah. So I had like seven or eight models. I took the objective. The other side, he moved his brutes up to that objective on the other side. I retreated my chain rasp, but stayed within six. I had more bodies. I still held that other objective. So not engaging, but holding the objectives. So at that point, Drog hit back, even though he'd lost those wounds. And between him and the coach, it killed the maw crusher. So all pigs were gone. One of the maw crushers was gone. I got bring it down, which was perfect. That grabbed me all three objectives. For that turn, which was pretty good. Yeah. And looking really good. So. Um, I killed the shaman and the drummer because the Terminexus did some work. Cut a couple wounds off my chain wraps. I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. If you're losing those two heroes, you, you kill a, all that's ten of them. a fine trade. Yeah. So yes, it was yes, please. It was eleven to nine at that point, and that was turn two. Turn three, Kale took the priority and I burned the objective that was over on that side where his brutes were. He killed so he moved the other maw crusher off of that objective on his side, on his right side, moved him to Drog, killed Drog. Of course, mm-hmm. he only had like 12 wounds left. But what I had done the turn before, I didn't mention this, is I dispelled shackles. And then in my turn three, I recast it. And I put, he had his brutes, he had killed the unit of 10 uh, chain rasts that were kind of screening. I had dropped a 20 unit of chain rasts to hold that objective because I had 20 bodies versus the five for his maw crusher. I dropped the shackles right next to those 20 so his 10 brutes could not charge them. <laughs> and the Herodans then charged into that second maw crusher and took him down to three wounds. I mean, they beat him up because they were, you know, popping exploding sixes and doing all kinds of stuff. Coming back, they were minus one to wound because I had cast Shade Mist. The other thing I did that turn, which was really cool, was I cast Metamorphosis on Rykonor. Mm-hmm. And I moved him to the other objective and got Monstrous Takeover, hmm. which was really cool. So I got the extra, I got the objective for the, the tactic for that. So at that point, we were at 24-20. Drog was gone, but I still had a bunch of bodies. I had all 20 of my Herodons left. I still had that 20 Brick of Chain Rasps. And I still had my other heroes on the board. And we kind of looked at it, and it was like... Your Maw Crush is going to die. I guarantee you that. I'm going to have 20 Herodans just sitting there. I'm going to take your brutes down. You can't attack me at this point because sure. Shackles is sitting there. He didn't have anybody he could dispel with because I took off, took off the heroes The heroes that could do that. That was just a great game for me. And Kale was my favorite. He Just his personality, he was just great. Um, and I know he was learning it a little bit, but he played a really good game. He was very aggressive, which he should have been mm-hmm. with the list he took. And we talked some things out and you know back and forth, checking rules and things like that. And it was just a very pleasant game. But again, that was one of those games when I just felt like I made really good decisions for everything and no mistakes, which was really important. And played the game right in that I was going for the objectives, which we've talked about so many times. And so that made a huge difference. And I was two and two. So I was pretty happy with that. And another, again, it was a major. It wasn't a minor. So it was two clean wins. And I was pretty happy, especially against the list that I had beaten. Sure. So very, very happy with that. Game five, Brendan. Game five, power numbers. Uh, I was playing uh, David Fields. Uh, he had corn. He had uh, his first four games he had played his... One list with Corn Dragon. That thing was huge. Yeah. It was monstrous. Oh, so his second list was 
Archeon, two blood, two exploding X bloodthirsters, which are very important. We'll talk about that in just a minute. A Chaos Sorcerer Lord allied in from the Slaves of Darkness book. A unit of Untamed Beasts, a unit of Bloodhounds, a unit of Blood Letters, and a unit of Blood Reavers. Okay. So in power and numbers, battle line units take priority in terms of scoring. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling pretty all right about it. You know, I've got three battle line units, but two of them are beefy battle line units. So felt pretty all right about it. And he had three battle line units that were not. So as long as you have a battle line unit there, you know, your stuff scores first. I gave him the first turn and he just kind of moved around a little bit. Then at the bottom of one, I went up because his left objective had just 10 blood letters on it. I sent Manfred over there, took the objective. I win the priority into two and I burn Mm. it. This is kind of where something started to, to not seem right. He was getting a little bit frustrated. At one point, he started rolling my dice without asking, which was oh. a little, kind of a little insulting in terms of etiquette at the table. It, it felt like an accusation of cheating. But, you know, like, whatever, man, if this is what's going to make you feel comfortable about, you know, the, that I'm, I'm playing this game fair, fine, whatever, mm-hmm. not a big deal. I have top of two. I just kind of move over. I am hoping to bait him into fighting my Vangorian Lord. I killed a unit of his Blood Reavers, and I'm going to defeat the unit of dogs here in just a minute. So all of his battle line stuff will be off the table. That's where things kind of start to go sideways. He wasn't really understanding how the mission scored and how things worked. Sure. Who had control of what and where and why why and how. And it got pretty heated. It's the point where I was like, hey, man, just time out. Do we need to take a step back here? Do we need to walk away for a couple minutes, you know, come back and talk about it? And, and he was just, he was really just cooking. Like it was just real, like he was upset at what was going on. And, you know, his dice really weren't working for him. You know, really just not going right. Mm-hmm. We take a minute, you know, we don't walk away, but, you know, we just, we just kind of slow down for just a second. Mm-hmm. So he plays the bottom of two and he goes, okay, I'm going to do this. And he's like, I'm going to. I'm gonna do bring it down. I'm gonna I'm gonna get your Vangorian Lord. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, that's it's all right, good. And so exploding axe bloodthirsters on sixes to wound do four mortal wounds in addition to yes, their damage. Don't I know? And he just nuked the Vangorian Lord. He rolled like four sixes or something oh, like insane. that. Yeah, it was just that's like when I played Tim in mm-hmm. his yeah. I, I oh because I have I had twelve mortal wound saves to take on Manfred, mm-hmm. and I saved like you know nine of them. Or I saved three of them. Mm-hmm. Ignores the next one, so I only take eight. And I'm like, whew. Okay, that's, that's pretty crazy. So, so we roll for priority for three. I win the priority roll. So I remove one of his objectives. And he so st- you went second. I, so I went second. Yeah. So he starts getting really upset. He's like, you can't do that. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, you, this, like, this is... Part of the mission pack, I, I was like, I'll explain you. Said, you know, if you still don't agree with me, you know, we'll, you know, we'll get David involved and we'll, you know, we'll get it sorted out. And so, you know, I'm showing him the mission pack. He's like, oh, I wasn't doing that, you know, all tournament. And I'm like, well, you know, it's an opportunity to learn, right? Yes. You know, this is well, that's what we're about here, right? Yeah. You know, this like let's, you know, let's take a look at it and and deal with it. And he's like, okay. He's like, so if you go second and third turn, you can remove an objective. I said, yeah, as long as they're not prime. I said, you know, this is what a prime objective looks like on the mission, and this is what, you know, one doesn't. It's okay. Yeah. And so he plays bottom of three, or sorry, he plays top of three and moves his bloodthirsters up, and 
charges Archeon into Manfred, you know, charges the Bloodthirsters into my skeletons. And this is where I made a mistake. I should have been smarter about where I picked Manfred up to put him. I should have put him a little bit further away because I forgot on the second pylon that you could make with his sub-faction that, you know, he would get to move up. Did he pile on six inches? or what is He, he just piles in three. Okay. But I had been where the second pylon he could just get, and then so the explosions sure. ended up killing Manfred, which was was a bummer. I'm missing my Vangorian Lord. Which I'm missing, almost never happens either. Yeah, I, like I'm missing two kind of key pieces that I almost never lose. My skeletons are dead, and I'm sitting there, and I go, oh, no. Because <laughs> at the end of two, I was feeling pretty okay. Yeah. This was not what I thought was going to happen. I'm really on my back foot now, and I gotta kind of finagle my way out of it, and I miss a couple of battle tactics, and I would normally hold a player to playing a tighter game, but I could see that what was going on was really in the difficulty of potentially putting this person in, like, he was getting, like, very upset to a point where, like, I was not comfortable with what was going on at the table. Sure. You know, and it wasn't you know, permission to just kind of do whatever you wanted. But like, right. at that point to me, it was more important that like, he didn't do something he was going to regret. Right. I should have held him to playing a little bit of a tighter game. I didn't, I missed some battle tactics as a result, but battle round five, I hail Mary, just this crazy turn. And I literally double the number of victory points I have, right? I have the one objective I've been holding the whole time. It's, you know, it's for eight. Yeah. I get my battle tactic. I kill a monster. I like just everything that needs to right. happen. And because I wasn't going to be able to get my grand strategy because all my wizards were going to be dead, which sure. also almost never happens. Right. You know, if I, and that's where if I had played a little bit smarter with Manfred, I would have been able to get that and it would have determined right. what was going to happen. But instead, we tie on victory points and it goes down to, you know, who got the most battle tactics. And he got, you know, all five worth of his. And so he took a minor win and I took a minor loss. But at the end of it, and you know, we were talking about this over lunch, you know, Dan, you were saying it looked like at the end there, he was like, we were having a lot of fun. And aside from the very difficult moments of, mm -hmm. you know, of, of having to kind of walk this person back and be like, you know, hey man, it's, it's gonna be all right. Like, you know, I'll explain to you what it is that I'm doing. Like, you know, hey man, like here's my worst roll cards. This is what it says. You know, if you don't believe me, like this Absolutely. is just, you know, this is what's going on. You play the game in a fully transparent way and all of that will vindicate, you know, any concerns that your opponent has. Right. It's people that aren't willing to share and aren't willing to be communicative that you maybe need to be a little bit more concerned about as the person across the table from you because they might be kind of pulling a fast one on you. Like, sure. you know, go ahead, audit my war scrolls. I don't care. Right. You know, you think my dice are loaded, like roll them, you know, go ask my round three opponent how these exact same right. dice did. And, and he'll tell you that there's not a chance. Right. I'm sure the winning part of it was fun to him. I hope for him that in future, he is a little more prepared in the games. Sure. Because I don't know if there was a second time around where if I got that same response from the same individual that I would be as permissive in, sure. in what it is that was going on at the table. I understand. So I ended up three and two for the weekend. And your game was somehow faster than my game three. So Yeah, and my game, it was your game two that you lost, right? Your game big, three. Game three, yeah. So my game five was in some ways a, a mirror of your game three. It was Joe. Joe Joseph from, uh, Mario Pagano. Joe from New York. Joe, bro, Joe. 
So, and I had talked to Joe and met him, you know, at Jacob's the day before, two days before, and great guy. He had his KOs, and he basically had three big ships all loaded up with duders, and he had one unit of duders on the board. Mm-hmm. That's what he had. I had my non-drog list. This is my leftover list again. Yeah. I felt after this game, kind of like you did after the three, that I owe Joe a better game than I played. We, we were over in like 15 minutes. We were just done. And So Joe came over to my table in my game five and went, Hey, yo, bro, Dan's going to be like wild mad next time you talk to him. And I'm like, well, why is that? And he just walks away. <laughs> no, and, and I'm not. I mean, it was a, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't play a better game because there were a few things I could have done. But, you know, this is where the dice ran away from me. And we'll talk about what that means. It's also, I think, and I'm not, rationalizing here. I'm just stating what I saw, and there are other people who have said it about this mission, that it can just swing so wildly that it literally takes you out of contention. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me in that second turn. It just got so far away from me that I couldn't I had no chance of coming back. And Joe and I talked about it. We talked through, you know, this is many points you get. You can earn these many, blah, blah, blah. Joe, by the way, no, I'm not mad, man. The next time I see you, I'm going to punch you in the face and we'll just forget about it after. We're all good, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but seriously, you know, he had his three boats. And I thought, if I don't get aggressive, I'm just going to get shot off the board. Sure. Is what happens. I basically failed five out of six charges counting a reroll. My, I had a unit, a 10 brick on an objective of chain wraps. He shot that off the board, so he cleared that objective. And then I started moving my skeletons forward because I had to get him in contention because he was just going to keep shooting them. Mm-hmm. And when he's shooting them, I can't bring them back. It's right. got to be you know in that phase. I deep struck my Herodons. I moved a brick of 20 over to another side where he was. I had another unit that I was going to try to charge one of his boats. I had both my coaches. I was going to try to charge one of his boats. He, of course... Did this stupid move over, drop the wart like team vortex, move back again. He did that. And I, I'm like, what the hell is that? And he told me, I'm like, oh, okay. Yep, whatever. No fly, no this, no that. Okay, fine. You know, that's what you do. All good, man. It, it's, it's the rules. I'm good. I tried to charge three of my other units. None of them made it. Nothing, right? I charged one coach. I made that. That's my one that I made. I charged the other coach. I missed. I rerolled. I missed on that. And so I'm like, oh my God, if I cannot make any charges and I can't get a hold of his guys, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. Because he would just keep shooting my guys off the board. And what he ended up doing was he burned all three of the back objectives the next turn, moved, you know, he went up into the sky with all his stuff, came down, grabbed the other two. So I had one objective, three were burned. It was like he had, I don't know what it was, like, 11 points that turn or something insane there's one objective left on the board it was over yeah there's just no way it was done i mean what else are you gonna do what else are you gonna say that if i had made that charge it would have made a difference it made a pretty big difference sure i could have locked his boat in he wouldn't have been able to jump up and down i had another unit that was over in that position that they could have dropped in and grabbed another objective so he couldn't have burned those two it would have made a big difference and both coaches hitting. I mean, the one hit, and he, by the way, second turn, both my coaches were gone. Mm-hmm. He'd blown both of those off the table. And I'm just looking. This is just a shattered wreck of burning debris, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I think it's, 
I don't think it's unreasonable to call the game as much as we talk about not liking to call a game early. Hmm. I don't know that there's really much point in playing another three turns here. So we talked through the points. I think it ended up being 26-15 is what I have written down by the time we got through it. And it was just such a shell shock after the other four games I played. It was like, oh man, this... I didn't want to end it this way. And again, I felt badly that I didn't give Joe a better game. I really did. But it was what it was. And, you know, it's that experience. I'm hoping that more TOs don't include that that particular battle plan. It would be really nice for a lot of people who can't take advantage of it. Mm. Yeah. So that was my game five. And that was NashCon. So let's move on to after after sure. report. So what are you thinking? What are, you, what are your impressions and what are your thoughts? And well, I won best death. Yes, so congratulations, by the way. The only death player above 500 <laughs> at the event. Yeah, I went two and three, so. Uh, I mean, I don't feel great about it, but, you Well, know. you should. Well, right, so I don't feel great about it. Like, I could have, I knew I could have done better. I could have ended up in a better place. If I win that last game, I'd have enough points where I would have been, like, fifth or something like that. Horseshoes and hand grenades. The... And before you get off there, Brent, I want to say that it's encouraging me for me to see Soul Blight do that well, even though it's you playing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not me. But it's nice to know that I'm going to have an army that has the potential to have solutions to problems that I don't have right now. Yeah. Which is killing big stuff and other things like that that you were able to do with your lists. And it's great to know that I have that potential on my table. In retrospect, I was kind of noticing this at the start of the second day. The depth of the quality of lists extended a lot further down into, you know, the tables than I was really expecting to. You're talking that really dirty stuff with Gotrek and Marathi and, you know, and and not dirty, but we know that those are powerful lists with powerful characters. I found that there was a lot of powerful lists that that were on lower tables than I would have expected, you know, because at, you know, by about five, there's a good stratification where you're able to draw probably a decent bell curve in terms of population density versus, um, you know, kind of the, the filthiness of the army itself. In terms of at least the list, I don't know all of the players, but in terms of the list, it was a really quality field. <laughs> Having the two lists as well in your pocket is always going to make it more difficult. Mm-hmm. But it was just, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> was like, as I was sitting there on table one in game three and I was looking down the road, I was like, okay, you know, there's fewer shooting lists than I was expecting to see, you know, in this stratification, but oh boy, there's some lists here that I'm not interested in, mm-hmm. like, at all. So I had a really good time. I'm interested to see, you know, what changes here after the FAQ to FAQ. The other thing that's going to help kind of make a difference is is determining what 3.0 battle tomes look like which we'll find out with the war clans mm-hmm. and stormcast because i think that's going to set the next tone for how events are going to start shaping sure. out because you know they're battle tomes that are written within the context of the edition always have their own kind of quirks because they play the game differently they play the game with the orientation for the rule set that they were made for the faq is you know going to normalize some of not enough, but it's going to normalize some of those things. Like Archeon is no longer a re-rolling. You have to re-roll sixes against him. And that would have, for me, that would have 
given me a much better chance in turn one to kill him earlier with all my mortal wounds I could have done from my coach and all my exploding sixes. Mm. Oh yeah, that would have made a big difference. It makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll see what that actually quantifies out as as being a bit of a difference, but Sure. Sure. Hey, you know, it's a difference nonetheless. So, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, congratulations, man. That was really good. You know, Sunday night we went out, you know, Dave and I with the, the pants crew and Vince yeah. and Tom. And uh, I want to say it was their buddy Dan. And I'm really sorry if I got that wrong. Went out to dinner and Tom eventually was the was the winner of the yes. events. He, he had a KO list, right? He had Caradron Overlords, um, where one list was Barrack Thring and one list was kind of your traditional shoot 'em up boats list. And in tandem, I don't think the list individually would have done winning of five games, but the fact that he had both of them to play different missions and play off of each other which is, you know, how the Nashcon pack is written, was very successful. He also won uh, Best Painted, yes. so he he had some hardware to take with him, and sure. the difference between first place and second place in terms of points was not even close. Right. Because paints and sports and all that ends up counting for so much of what your overall is, like a... Like best paint is is basically worth a, a minor loss. So you know he mm-hmm. he played six games and the guy who came in second played five, like that yeah. kind of a thing. Sure. Um, in terms of just the way that the scoring breaks out. So yeah, it was a good time. That's there's, great. There's a lot that's potentially going to change, but you know this is this is the wild west phase and mm-hmm. boy, it was wild. Yes, it was. It <laughs> so was. hopefully it'll start getting rained in a little bit, and we'll we'll start kind of finding sensor, and we'll be under a little bit of a more normality based kind of a distribution of expectations. Wonderful. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the the people I met. I loved uh, the venue and uh, just the armies I saw were so different mm-hmm. and powerful, <laughs> much more powerful than I saw at Circle City. I mean, it was just light years difference between i mean even the giant list that the detroit guys brought to circle city to me just didn't compare to some of the lists i saw floating around at nashcon but it was just a wonderful experience and i was really happy that my change to my list worked out the way it did sure i just felt again it was very mixed feelings i felt great that i was able to compete against armies that had big models with lots of wounds mm-hmm. because before drag I I just can't compete because I cannot take those models off the board Brendan I don't have not in a the timely tools. manner no. no I can you're right but it's going to take me two or three turns which is in this environment is way too that's one or two turns too long mm-hmm. <laughs> to take that off so it felt really good to be in a place where I was able to go toe to toe with other armies and I was happy for my night haunt and for sticking with it. And uh, great. I'm glad I went. I'm going again. Good. You know. So I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. For NashCon yep. 2021. Indeed. The best thing I think, again, was we didn't say it yet, but is just seeing all those people in one room together again, having that kind of normality and just being back with community mm-hmm. and those things. Yeah. All good stuff, man. All great stuff. Okay. Listeners, thank you for hanging in. We hope that was enjoyable, and we will move on, as usual, to Scriptorium. Etc., etc., etc. Okay, Scriptorium time. We're going to go with, quote, new releases. A couple of these things have quotes in them for new. You had spoken about Malice Darkblade when you yeah. were playing Total War. Warhammer. And the first of his, he is a hero from the old world. I know. A, a hero, quote. And the first of his books has been reissued 
in Black Library, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So if you are interested in Dark Elves, or you're interested in that kind of a character, you should read his background, consider reading the book. The other book that I'm actually interested in reading is Rise of Nagash. And if you are Manfred or Arkin fans, they are up to some shenanigans in this <laughs> book, which is very, very cool. It again is old world. You know, it's in the time of right as the world was being destroyed, but a great story. And again, if you're into those characters or Nagash, anything like that, you should probably consider giving it a read. So those are kind of reissues. We have two more Warhammer adventure books, which are those kids books, the kind of cartoonish books that have come out. I don't think they're new, but they're on the new release. So either they've been reissued or they could be new, but I don't think they are. But those are out. We have a new Space Wolves book by Chris Raitt, who is a big Space Wolves writer. It's called Hellwinter Gate. It looks very, very interesting. I don't know that I'm going to read the paperback, but if it comes out in audio, I will definitely give it a listen. We have two Warhammer crime books about a hive city. One is Broken City and the other is Sanctions and Sin. And they're both collections of stories. I think there's six to eight stories in both. So those look interesting if you're into the non-really 40k side in terms of you know, Xenos and Space Marines and all that stuff. The non-combat side, I think you'd find that interesting. So that's new stuff that's showing up since the last show. Listens. I finished uh, Saturnine while uh, we were in Nashville. Great book. Okay. So I was going to say Verdict. <laughs> like everything that like it leads up to, you know, all the planning involved, you know, the, that goes on, the weighed and kind of measured calculations, because you get to see both sides. Hero and is such a good book. I really enjoyed it. So I'm on to Mortis. I'm a couple hours into that. Yeah. You know, which is exciting. It's good. In terms of watches, I actually watched all of Tyrant's Playbook. I watched the Cocaine Cowboys of Miami. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Watched the I Think You Should Leave, which is a sketch comedy show. It's super short. It They're all like 15-minute episodes, oh. and there's like six of them a season. There's two seasons. And there's this... It's episode two of season two, and I just think... It's super weird, so I'm really sorry if just, like, chaotic humor is not your thing. You will not enjoy it. I just can't get past how ridiculous it is. They're in a boardroom, like, negotiating a merger or something like that, and it's a sketch comedy show, so one of the characters is lying on this couch that they have in the, you know, in the meeting room, and she just makes, like, this really weird comment, and, you know, so the whole room, you know, the camera turns their attention to him, and they're like, Doug, are you feeling all right? He goes, yeah, I'm just jet-lagged. And they're like, we've been here 10 days. <laughs> and, and his boss goes, he's been spending all of his per diem for food on these crazy shirts. And it's this, you know, it's a, it's a very patterned shirt. You know, I'll let the, the sketch dudes talking for him, but like he just becomes like more and more irate at the, because he's, you know, been starving himself for the purchase of like these ludicrous shirts. <laughs> Some of them are real hit or miss, but every show is 15 minutes. And if you don't like it, like, you know, you can just skip past it. There's like three or four, you know, short skits every show. So it's, it's what it is. It's, okay, good. It's very weird though. Okay. It is. So you have to acquire a taste. You are going to know right away if this is not your thing. Okay. Uh, All right. You might not even have to watch it. I can just be describing it to you as chaotic humor. Okay. And if that's not your thing, okay. I totally get it. Okay. There were some skits in there where I'm like, what is going on? Oh, wow. What is this? What about you, Dan? You had a few hours of driving in a car. I'm sure you got oh, through. Oh, believe uh, me. I, I got through some stuff. Yeah. Ended up finishing God Blight, which was really cool. The other thing that 
I listened to was I got that collection I talked about the revolution connection or collection which is about these mercenary bands mm-hmm. and I read the already did, listened to Cartwright's Cavaliers this is the book it's called Asbrand Solutions and each one of these four horsemen because there's four core groups are from different parts of the world now this group this Asbrand Solutions is like a Persian Middle East group that's where the family mm-hmm. was from again every book different reader so you have to kind of get used to the cadence and the voice being a little different it was good. It was okay. I don't know that I'm... And I started... I finished that. I started one called Winged Hussars, which is obviously like a, you know, based on the Polish Winged Hussars and kind of a European family that yeah. founded that one. It's okay. And I've listened to the first couple. There's a dozen in this. It was good, but I wanted to do something else and listen to other things. So I'm kind of moving on. I started a redux of the Garrow collection and I'm almost finished with that. Just listening to Toby and hearing the Garrow stories again is just amazing. I finished the second Grey Knights novel, which is Dark Mechanicus. I'm about to start on the third, which is my favorite of the three. Great stories. It's just so well written and so interesting. Uh, so that's my reads, really, and listens. I watched... Oh, and speaking of reading, Cindy finished all her Shira books, all three, which is cool. She nice. enjoyed them. And I'm trying to find something else. I may look at these Warhammer crime books to see if she might be interested in one of those. But it was cool to have her do that. It's kind of fun because when I was hobbying, we're listening to the first Caiaphas Kane book. And she's been listening to that with me. And it's kind of entertaining when you learn about his character and the way the books are written by Sandy Mitchell. So it was fun to have her kind of asking questions again and listening with me. So I watched episodes three and four of the Tyrant series. So this was Idi Amin and Stalin. Idi Amin, obviously, Mr. Terror himself. That's how he ruled. It was interesting when they mentioned the Entebbe thing, because for those who know anything about that, he you know kidnapped all the Israeli citizens and the Israelis did a commando raid and got everybody back. One person died. One of their guys died. But that's a pretty famous commando raid. And then the one on Stalin was really interesting. I mean, they talked about the fact that he was responsible for the death of millions, literally, either through starvation or purges, whatever it was. Uh, they talked about the effect of his purges on the military in the early parts of World War II and how that kind of changed over time. But the thing they really stressed was how Stalin was a master of public relations and he was a master of rewriting history within the context of the Russian people. He ended up being this butcher of Moscow as he was. Then that changed over time when as the war went on and he really focused on Russian nationalism. And as he was manipulating things, he ended up becoming going from this beast to a hero uh, in the, the eyes of the Russian people. So it was very interesting to see uh, as terrible as he was. I started watching the full series of Cowboy Bebop, which if okay. those who don't, do not know is quite a famous anime series. I'd watched one or two, like, I really enjoyed it when I watched them, but I'd seen a couple of them already. But then, I don't know when I was doing something on YouTube and watching something and somebody mentioned it. And I'm like, God, I haven't watched Cowboy Bebop forever. I thought about it. It's like, I'm just going to get them all because I enjoyed them so much. So I'm starting to watch them. I've got all five seasons on DVD. It's just really cool. Oh, the other the thing I saw on YouTube they were talking about is that they're going to make a live action series about it on Netflix, which I'm not excited about because... Cowboy Bebop is so special as an anime. It's so stylistic. There's jazz music. It's just so well done. The characters are so cool. There's Bryce for you. There's a corgi on on this thing. He's a data dog. It's really fun. His name is Ein, short for Einstein. It's just so well done. The anime itself, the stories. I'm on episode five now, I think. Okay. Out of the 30, they're going to be. Really, really enjoying Cowboy Bebop, and I would recommend people... 
uh, maybe take a look at it. It is Adult Swim. Let's just get to that right away. So nothing that you'd want to watch with kids, even though it's anime. That's it for me. Okay. This is that time, huh? Yeah, we shall move on. All right. Brendan, how we looking here? Yes, Dan. I don't know. What do we... First or last? I don't know. Cindy, who should ask questions first? Me? Okay. Okay, Brendan, you're going first, according to the audience. All right. The in-studio audience has a vote of one-to-one. Next NashCon, obviously, you know, you drove down. What would you change next time? Would you drive? Would you fly? Would you change the way that you... It stops because every time I've gone, the plan has always been like, okay, well, we learned something here, but, you know, next time we're going to do X differently. Okay. I would not change how I plan to drive. Okay. I drive again. You know, I did this as my first big road trip, my electric car. It's about 1,200 miles round trip. I was like, yeah, uh... it's about 600 miles, but it's still a long way. I didn't have any problem going down. I stopped about 45 minutes south of Indianapolis my first night, which was a perfect spot, little town called Edinburgh. Funny enough, there was a charging station about 100 yards from my hotel. So I moved my car over there. It worked great. And I stopped two or three times on the way down. It was fine. No problems. And the only thing, I don't know how I'm going to change it, but coming back on Sunday, probably because it was a whole day that we'd been playing. Everybody was tired already. And I talked to David because I knew I needed to leave before 5.30 or 6. So I ended up leaving about 4. I still didn't get in to Edinburgh going back until like midnight, midnight 30. It just seems so long. Going down, it didn't seem like it seemed yeah. like twice as long the, going back. The, the return trip is always the is and always the night, difficult one. And the night trip was just made it so long. The next day, getting back to Milwaukee on Monday, that was fine. I had no problem with that. It went really well. But that was just tough. So I don't know that I changed planning. I try to figure out something different for that Sunday night drive, though. It was long. Would you rather see monster trucks or giants on the other side of the table? Monster trucks. Okay. I think there are a lot. Yeah, and I know I'm going to see giants. I know I'm going to see them in a week. I can deal with them. Okay. I think giants are a lot tougher to deal with, even though I'm going to have a lot more units. You got 35 wounds that I can't get rid of on an objective. That's tough. That's tough to beat that off any way you go. We'll see. Okay. And as we know, Bruce City Brawl is the last ride of the Night Haunts for a while. Yes. And we know that you're going to Soul Blight next. But if you mm-hmm. weren't going to Soul Blight after these two tournaments you've went to, mm-hmm. what's an army or a list that's really kind of caught your eye as something that you would you oh, would be interested in pursuing? Because this is the one problem I have is we'll go to an event and I'll go, that was a cool list. I'm going to try that out, you know, for a little bit. And, you know, hopefully I have that collection of models to give it some test games or whatever. That's how I end up with some of these armies. Uh, <laughs> as I saw somebody play something cool and I went... I want to give that a go here okay. for a little bit. So what what about you? Is there anything that caught your attention that, that you would go, if I hadn't made this decision to go to Soul Blight, I would give some very serious thought to moving in this direction? I've thought about, I don't know that it's based on what I saw there, because like I just don't have any interest in taking Archeon. I don't have any interest in taking a, a, I kind of had thought about Zeech for a while. I don't know. I just don't like how that plays. I don't like the way it looks. I don't. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, right? nothing. Like that's just for me. I, it, that's not a, a thing I, I looked at. I'm not interested in KO at all. I think, <laughs> strangely enough, I'm looking at a Nurgle list of some kind hmm, okay. as an alternative and make it really 
almost all flyers, like all Blight Kings. Isn't it the Kings that are the... It's the uh, Blight Kings are the ones on foot. The, the Blight, Blight Lords. Lords, that's yeah. the one. So make it almost all Blight Lords, Lord of Affliction... Great unclean one. This seemed like a really fast moving, hard hitting, you know, like four blight lords. Man, they could do some work. They can. If they hit something, especially if you're adding wounds or adding attacks, things like that, and the buffs you can give them, they're going to be hard to get rid of. That would be really cool. And you know, like, I like cavalry kind of fast type armies anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's something I would think about if it wasn't so blight there. Okay. Yeah. The next two questions are sports questions. The first one's easier. I know you know the answer, but it's college football season and this is the one sport, Dan, that both you and I watch yes. uh, with similar levels of veracity. Yes. Just for the record, what is Navy's record going to be? I think they'll be lucky to go 4-7. and seven. Okay. 4-8. Yeah, 4-8. Yeah, 12 game season. 4-8. So. And in that 4-8, will they beat Army? Yes. Okay. I think they'll beat Army because... I watched this game yesterday, parts, just parts of the game. I didn't watch the game, but they just got totally beat up by Marshall. They couldn't score. They couldn't defend. It's going to be a long year for them. I think Army's in the same position, though. <laughs> so it might be the toilet bowl, which it was for several years a while ago uh, yeah. when we come to it. But it's always a fun game to watch, Army-Navy. I just don't think they're going to be doing very well. And I'm going to turn it around real quick. It's not one of my questions, but Purdue, do you have a prediction? Oh, four and eight. Yeah, four and eight. Okay. this is not a good team. Okay, uh, good. I was pleasantly surprised at the win on Saturday night against Oregon State. That was a game that in guessing I had them losing. Uh, there were definitely some moments where, you know, I sat there and I went, you know, okay, you know, they might win six games this year. Sure. You know, they might defy my projections here. You know, there were times where their defense was playing really well. There was times where the offense looked like a capable offense. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment there at the end where I went, gosh darn it, they are going to throw this away as they have for, you know, as long as I've been watching them. Sure. And I have a group chat that just went, oh, that's Purdue funny. ending coming up, check this out. My last question, Dan, is who will the four teams be in the college football uh, playoff? Brendan, I can't answer the question. That's one I can't answer because... Well, just I, what you just, think. Okay. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and Florida. Florida. Yeah. Interesting. At this point in the season, yeah, sure, no. it's true. But that's who I'll, if I had to, you know, do money today. Okay. Yeah, clearly choices. you didn't watch that Georgia Clemson game no, last night. No, no, Wow, Georgia looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those are my five. Okay. I'm going to start out with a reading question for you. Oh, no. Now that you've read both the books, which did you enjoy better, Solar Wars or Saturnine? Oh, that's a good one. I went into Saturnine with very high expectations. Yeah, because that's tough. Because like I was expecting good things in the Saturnine book, and I really wasn't expecting very much in Solar War. The things that happen at the end there in Solar War. You know, I'm going to say Solar War because I was so shocked at what it is that happened, and you know, looking back at it in retrospect, and the the seeds that had been planted leading to that conclusion. You know, there were there were clues there because I don't like things that are just kind of pulled from nothing. It's just like ah, surprise, you know, yeah. from left oh, field. Yeah. yeah, it was this carefully crafted and constructed. Story story that as you're in it at the time, you know, it is totally innocuous. All of them are just, you're just like, wow, this is just kind of weird. And at the end, as it pulls all of those strings together and and it ties the knot of what it is that it is, that was just so well done. Saturnine was excellent because you felt that the story moved along really well. Like there was, there was a lot of very interesting dialogue. There were meaningful consequences. You know, there was you know, interactions that you always hope for in these kinds of books, you know, Primarch versus Primarch, you know, first captains versus first captains, you know, big titanic decisions that, you know, that play out, you know, that are described in a individual level. Like it's 
Saturn Nine's a close second there. Okay. All right, cool. In terms of competitiveness, Soul Blight or Archeon Zinch? Whoa. So pre-FAQ Archeon Zinch. Let's say now, currently. That does change quite a bit. It pulls a power level off of it. I don't know if it's enough, though. It's a lot closer now. How about that? I think I would give advantage. Well, actually, because the Horror War Scroll changed as well, and that's pretty important, too. Yes. I think I would say Soul Blight then. Not by much, though, if at all. Like, it's... All right. God, that list is good. It's just... Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, Arcan's still a beast. All right. We got a couple things coming up. You have to choose between Dragonfall and Holy Wars. Hmm. That's a good question. I like them individually for their, their own separate reasons, which is not the cop-out answer. Like, right. I really like that Holy Wars is kind of, to me, you know, it's the end of the year and ends up kind of being the end of what I view as the tournament cycle. Sure. You know, some people view it as handbook to handbook. I view it where it starts at what was Wapaka is now Ragnarok and then runs through Havoc. And I really like just kind of the relaxed atmosphere that is Holy Havoc. Okay. If I had to choose, if you had to choose. Can only go to one this year. That was a Hamilton joke for you three people. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Havoc. I play enough conventional tournaments. Okay. I think I've asked you this before. We're going to ask you this now because we've had more experience since you played in ATC. So would you prefer a 2v2 environment or a 4v4 environment? Oh, 4v4. Okay. 2v2 I don't really think does anything. I don't mean that in terms of like, it's the two of you at the same table, like doubles versus, I think you're describing, you're at one table, I'm at the next table next to you, and we're both playing two separate guys. Or are you saying you and I are both at the same table in yes. a double? So yeah. it's a doubles game yeah. versus a four individuals across the row. Right. And doubles is fun because you have that person there with you. There's more of you there. There's more to play off of. There's more to have. I enjoy the team aspect a, a lot. Okay. I think that is something that just for me is more interesting. You know, doubles is its own totally separate animal, but so is teams. And when you're talking about teams, you know, there's things that you have to do as a team. You know, sometimes you can be going like in round one of ATC, my teammates all got pairings that we were happy about. I got the pairing that, you know, had to fight through. You know, and right. I understood that it was my responsibility to try and get as much out of it as I could. You know, zero was okay, but anything more than zero was just solid. Team yeah, four-person okay. team, six-person team, eight-person right. team, you know, just... Whatever it is. I like teams. Okay, you know. gotcha. It's an IT. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have you make a prediction, so this isn't really a choice. I want you to tell me how far you think the Brewers are going to go this year. <sighs> so I really don't follow anybody but the White Sox. I'm from Chicago, Cindy. I'm a Bucks fan. This is what I've adopted here in the state of Wisconsin. You're okay. not going to see me rooting for the Packers. Okay. Mm, well, that is fair because they are ALNL, so that would be reasonable and within scope. However, I really only follow the White Sox. I know that the Brewers were 30 games above 500 on September 1st, which is pretty good. You guys are second? I think it would be crazy if the team didn't go as far as you know the division championship. Mm -hmm. I don't think... They're going to make the World Series. I don't think they're going to win the NL. I okay. think they're going to make okay. it to the NL championship. Okay. Look, if crazy things happen from time to time, yeah, you know, it's, uh, We're it would be quite a wild year in this city if the Brewers and the Bucks won Full a championship oh, in the same be year. Insane. Be insane. Would, in a cool way. This is a city that really likes a winner. Yeah, we don't have <laughs> them that often when it comes to no, sports like No, that. we don't. <laughs> so that's great. Okay, that's my five, buddy. That's your five. All right. It is time to close this baby down. So let's right. move on to show close. 
there is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Episode 81. We are going to be talking about your event. We're going to talk about Brew City. Brew City. And then we're going to do a little bit of a dive, not a deep dive, but a surface dive for sure into the FAQs. And talk about some highlights, things that we think are important, changes, that kind of stuff. Hmm. That should be the next episode. And then 82, it depends. Whichever battle tones find their way to the shelves in in other When they do. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a month away. So hopefully we'll have at least one book to talk about. Yeah. Or at least part of one book to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, right. If we do Stormcast, it'll be two episodes. Yeah, for sure. Well, Warclans might be as well. Yeah. We we might need to kind of... We might have an Orktober Switch off. Yeah, we could do Orktober, yeah. Yeah, we might have an Orktober (laughs) ahead of us. Yeah, so that's the plan. Brendan, thanks. Glad you could make it back. Yeah. After a month, awesome. It's been a while. It It has, It's one of those things where... It really didn't feel like that long until I was walking up to the building and getting on the elevator. And I was like, oh, it, it has been a while since I've seen Cindy. It has been a while since we've gone out and got sandwiches. Uh, it just kind of becomes part of the routine. It right? does, That's, yeah, uh, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. And thank you, for listeners, for hanging in there. We had a really good month in uh, August, even though we only had one episode. You guys were listening. And we really, really appreciate you taking the time, your own personal time, to spend with us and hopefully we'll be able to get back on a relatively regular schedule here every couple few weeks and bring you some good stuff so yeah thanks again to everybody and you guys take care stay safe stay healthy and we'll see you next time around bye this is